Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube and Twitch, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as the hardest working man in goalkeeper coaching, the one and only Las Vegas Lights goalkeeper coach, Omar Zini. What's up, dude? You uh, you surviving? Surviving I'm the surviving. 17 jobs? <laughs> I'm surviving. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've had my coffee, so I'm ready to go. Uh, joining us guys today is a guest panelist uh, this man uh, doesn't need an introduction uh, out there especially anybody who's been following the United Goalkeeping Alliance shout out to the United Goalkeeping Alliance out there on the east coast uh, we got goal line himself goal line performance himself who's now congratulations the women's soccer coach at at Pitt uh, Jesse Goldman Jesse what's up man congrats on the new gig yeah thank you thank you it's um it's awesome it's been awesome so far and it's you know being from Pittsburgh it's great to to come home and back to a university that that you pretty much watch and, you know, grew up right next to you. So it's, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome experience and looking forward to getting the season rolling. You know, it's, it's funny that you said that, uh, Jesse, in regards to like, you know, you, the city that you grew up in and everything like that, because, you know, Omar literally couldn't have walked into a better situation, you know, than what he had is literally, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a professional gig. I'm like, oh, there happens to be a professional club 10 minutes from my house. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously, uh, that work that's been working out for you, Omar. Yeah, no, I got very fortunate. Uh, took the job at Cal State LA. Again, things in the in the world happened at weirdest of times. Mike was playing, I think it was pickup soccer with one of the assistant coaches like three years back. And then he said, you know, we need a goalkeeper coach. Uh, came to me. I The head coach came to watch me train a guy who was 33 years old just to see if I was good. It was, it was a weird situation. <laughs> I came in. I was there for two years. And then, um, you know, obviously COVID happened. So there's a gap year. He calls me and says, hey, you know, LAFC is thinking about bringing a second team in. They're traveling to Vegas for their home games, but they'll train out of L.A. What do you think? And I was like, you know, just let, let's let's see how it goes. Sets me up. And then obviously the college season started up now. And as a thank you for for helping me get that job, I I uh, committed to one more year of college soccer. So it's, it's weird. 6 a.m. training today. And then we get a two hour break. And then LAFC2 or Las Vegas Lights, we have training at 1030. And so it's just a, it's all in one place. But it's it's a unique experience for sure. I mean, I, I don't know anybody else who's doing that. Jesse, do you know anybody else who's coaching college and pro at the same time? And I honestly, I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know that was allowed. Like, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Omar, how much you should be saying publicly on the air. <laughs> it should be fine. I think I just, the only, the only issue I'm going to run into is like, there are certain days so far where I've had like specific topics that I wanted to cover <laughs> and they're very similar to the opposing teams that we're playing. So I'll usually just run the same session that I'll run from the, for the, you know, LAFC guys that I run for, um the la you know got uh cal state la can't even say the names but so it's just like you know it's so nice to be able to like do two and one with those sessions um so it's, it's been fun well well well, jesse obviously you know you were on the show uh, last year during the quarantine and obviously a lot's changed for you since that last time that you were on at the time you know you were running your goal line performance you know uh, in, in your local town like you were talking about mm-hmm. and been doing some little sessions here and there on on the side and uh but then after that, you ended up, uh, why don't you kind of fill us in what happened? You ended up going to Northeastern, doing the men's program, and now now back at Pitt. 
Yeah, it's it's been a crazy year. A little, you know, a little over a year ago today, I moved to to Boston to to be the goalkeeper coach for Northeastern, and um, obviously the fall season didn't happen, and took a director of goalkeeping job as well for a local club team there, and um, you know, just did most of the club stuff, and and um, obviously the season happened with Northeastern, and what a great experience that was. My first Division One experience with the men. I mean, great group of goalkeepers, great coaching staff, great experience. Um, but then, you know, and then at the end of April, headed out to Des Moines to work with the Des Moines Menace. And, and obviously we won the uh, the USL2 this past summer, which was an incredible, incredible experience. And it was just that that was an amazing summer. And then, um, yeah, now I'm back here in, in Pittsburgh. And that was pretty much my year. So I lived in Boston, lived in Iowa, and, and now I'm back in Pittsburgh. So been been bouncing around a little bit. Dude, I mean that that's crazy. It sounds very similar to the Omar to the Omar story. <laughs> Go as co- college pro and then back to college again. Although Omar's still doing the the pro at the same time as the college type of thing. Um, you know, uh that obviously Jesse, do you kind of feel, you know, because I think Omar said this, you know, before in the past that having that collegiate experience, having that experience, you know, at the collegiate level first, you know, helped you once you got to that professional level and, and we're working with, you know, some more seasoned more seasoned players. Yeah, I mean it was almost, I mean, you know, working with the the menace goalkeepers, I mean, those, all those goalkeepers, we had five goalkeepers come in, come in and out. And obviously, you know, USL two guys come guys go, but I mean, I mean, that was, that was a whole new level of the, the, the whole roster too. It was just the level of talent there was just, you know, I don't know if I would say, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it would be a good level, but I mean, just, just working with that level of talent and that level of goalkeeping, it really forces you to become a better coach and, you know, understand, try to understand a little bit more from the goalkeeping side of things, but um, it was, yeah, I mean, just, just such an incredible experience, really. Something that I've kind of had better perspective with is, you know, obviously you're a player, you play in college and then after you get into coaching, sometimes there's a little bit of a recency bias. You forget that you maybe weren't as good. And like, you know, some of the things (laughs) you're coaching into the goalkeepers, you may not have been able to do, but obviously with more experience as a coach, you understand that. But I, uh, for example, our, our starting goalkeeper for the lights, he's 20 and was, you know, at Virginia the year before. So I trained these these college guys, and I had a guy named Alex for two years as well. His name's Alex, crazy. But he had him for two years, and he's making, like, you know, some mistakes here and there. But it just, like, triggered in my mind that a lot of these guys are still really young, don't have many games. They're still making these mistakes. So now having that experience in college and then transferring that to Alex with Las Vegas Lights, we had a conversation not too long ago, and I said, look, dude, you're on the right path. Like, on the big picture, I love what you're doing. There's a little things here and there where, again, getting those games, whether it be with us or you would have stayed in college, you would have probably made those same errors. But it's important that we don't make those same errors again. So don't be discouraged. Let's watch the footage, understand why it happened, where we could correct things, and what the, the, tr- the triggers that cause you to do X, Y, Z. And then now we can actually progress. And that's the, that's the importance, I think, of actual development. And that college experience, I think, gave me that perspective. You know, by, by the way, Jeff, you feel free to step in any time. But at, Omar, you just brought up something that like I you, epiphany, like light bulb over my head. Like if I had Jesse's light bulb that's like right over his head right now, if I had that right now, <laughs> this guy. cartoon style. Yeah, like Space <laughs> Jam 2 style. Like if that if that could happen to me right now, because you said something I'd never even thought of before. And that is that regardless of what level you choose to play at depending on what level of development you're at, those same mistakes will probably happen. So whether you're playing in college, USL2, MLS, uh, Champions League, you know, chances are if you're 20 years old and that's your, and you're at a certain level of development, you're going to be making those mistakes regardless. So it's really about finding the environment that's going to, for lack of a better term, allow you to make those mistakes and grow from them 
and, and keep continuing to improve. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that is staying in college, you know, sometimes that is moving on to the pro level. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's always the biggest thing and not just goalkeepers in general, but it's just, um, you know, players too, just finding the right environment that's going to help you succeed. You know, I was, I was lucky enough to play at a small school and come in and, and play right away. And, and, you know, my coaches know, and I know that I made my fair share of mistakes my first couple of years, but you know, they, they always just stuck by me and, you know, you know, right now as a coach and just looking back, you know, I'm very fortunate to to have that and have having played so many games, you, you just become such a much better goalkeeper and you, you know, you just see so much more just being able to play and, and experience everything on the field. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny about that, but Omar, cause I was just kind of thinking about this, you know, obviously, you know, one of the things that you had wanted to do when, when you were younger is, you know, you'd wanted to UCLA was kind of like a destination school that you were really looking at. That was somewhere that you really wanted to play. But do you feel that if you had gone to UCLA and you, and you made the same mistakes that you were making at Davis, that maybe that environment wouldn't have allowed you to make those mistakes and continue to grow because it was a more, more cutthroat environment. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if the, if I would have gone to UCLA, I probably wouldn't have played. There was, you know, an incredible pedigree of goalkeepers that went through who are still playing professionally to, uh, to this day. So I probably wouldn't have gotten much on-field experience. So that's why I always suggest to young goalkeepers, they're like, let's be realistic. And some kids that I train, they tell me, hey, I want to go to Wake Forest. I want to go here. And I'm like, look, they're recruiting the best of the best. And if you want me to be honest with you, you probably go there and sit on a bench. And if you develop properly for the next three, four years, potentially use that red shirt for your junior year and senior year. But if you really want to actually play and then develop the game experience where the technique is already there, but you just need the decision-making to really you know, sharpen up, then go to a school that's not probably, you know, like let's say Davis, for example, we're not competing for on the national uh, level every, every year, but we are competing in the conference where maybe you have a good team and you have a good run. And obviously those experiences you know, speak volumes to to your college experience and how I reflect on it versus friends who went to other places and didn't get very many minutes. So I think, again, it's also being a realist and understanding that your development may be just a year or two away. And it's better for you to get those minutes potentially versus sitting on a bench. You know, and, and a lot of it also has to do with the competition that you're playing against, not necessarily the school that you're at. Like, Jesse, obviously, you know, you're in the ACC, you know, your your women are going up against some of the best players in the country, you know throughout the throughout the regular season you know so just because they might not be at the you know stanford or 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 um florida state or north carolina or whatever doesn't mean they're not playing that competition exactly yeah i mean it'll it'll be i mean just playing in acc just going off that it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year you know it's you know you're playing the best of the best and if we're talking development and you know, you're going to, you're going to develop a lot because chances are you're going to make a mistake playing against some of the the better teams in the country. I mean, three of the top five teams in the preseason polls were ACC teams. So, um, you know, chances are you're, you're, you're seeing some good competition and, you know, we're probably going to make some mistakes, but that's, that's just the nature of the game. And, you know, we're, we're hopefully providing an environment that it's going to allow our goalkeepers at least to, to fix them and, and move on and, you know, just continue to play at the, at a high level and, and succeed. My, yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Omar. To that point, I think also too, I think when I've played at higher levels, I've realized that let's say there's five chances at the higher levels in those five chances, the quality of player, which is on a better team, they will make you work five out of five times, maybe four out of five. Then you get players who have good ideas, but don't have that extra little bit of quality, that little bit of sauce, mm-hmm. and they don't make you pay for mistakes. If you drop a ball and the striker is there, 
maybe they chip it over you, maybe they cross it back, but then you play against, you know, lower level guys who maybe don't even follow up the shot. So there's like little things like that where you really, really have to be sharp in 90 minutes and you can relax afterwards, but you, you mentally and physically have to be taxed throughout the game when you play higher uh, level because any little inch that you give up, they will make you pay for it. Dude, I, I mean, even just thinking about this right now, you know, to, to both you guys, and then we'll kind of get into the topic. But, you know, um, right before this, the, the German Super Cup was going on, you know, Bayern and, and Dortmund, you know, and obviously, you know, Dortmund has a, has a new goalkeeper. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're going up. And I'm not saying that Dortmund's not a high level team because they obviously are a high level team. But when you're playing a Bayern Munich and you have a Lewandowski type of player, you know, uh, you know, making a run type of a thing, you know, every single little ball that's served into the box, a slight touch here and there, you know, I mean, he's, he's going to find a way to make, make that, make that finish. And it is very similar in regards to like, you know, Omar for you, you know, when you're talking about, you know, even when you played at Davis and you're going up against, you know, uh, the Santa Barbara's and, and things like that is like, you know, the, the, those high level players, you know, they are going to push you and, and maybe, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be expecting that level next time you're playing. And so you're going to be that heightened and aware. And so you're never yeah. going to be slacking off because that's the level you're expecting. Even if the, the players that you're going up against aren't at that level, you know? Definitely. And you see, I mean, you see, like, I remember we, we had some uh, summer teams and like UCLA guys will come join us and we play and we realize like every single pass they're making is crisp. It has to be right on the, on the front foot, proper weight, proper location. And you kind of start realizing, like you said, Mike, there's no opportunities to be lackadaisical because if you do it, you pay for it. And there's expensive mistakes and inexpensive mistakes. So in my opinion, Donnarumma being at AC Milan, they're a big club, yes, in the grand scheme of like the history of Italian football and like world football, but in the sense of they weren't a world power at the time. So him making those mistakes and getting his experience, I think was super important at that level or at kind of like not being in the public eye. So now those mistakes, now he's, kind of iron them out in lack of a better you know phrase but he's ironed them out and I think now stepping in with PSG I think he's he's a more refined goalkeeper than if he got that opportunity at 17. Yeah and you know and I think uh I think I think you know you're, you're bringing up a really good point right there as uh as I think Jesse might be adjusting his uh his lighting yeah. situation right now so we've got the uh We've got the Hal from 2001, a Space Odyssey uh, 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 avatar. Uh, My once apologies. Again, we're very, Just give me 30 seconds. No, that's okay. that's okay. We're very familiar with it. We're very familiar with it uh, from uh, from this podcast. It's a it's a known uh, it's a known avatar, I think, on this podcast. But kind of getting back to your your point there, Omar, I, I think you've brought up such a really good point. Now you see, dude, you see it in such a look at the situation right now with uh, with Nubel at Bayern Munich. If he had stayed at, if he had stayed at, well, maybe not Schalke, Schalke but, <laughs> but, but if he had stayed in the Bundesliga, maybe a, a lower tier, you know, Bundesliga team that didn't have Manuel Neuer, you know, how much farther along would Nubel be right now? We haven't seen that guy play in like two years. Yeah. I mean, same goes for the conversation with Keppa. I mean, look, Mendy's a great goalkeeper. And again, look at Mendy's like career. It obviously wasn't a straight path and he had to, you know, spend some time in the lower leagues and prove himself. But it's almost better to be that underdog who outperforms than be that guy who became the most expensive goalkeeper in the world and then underperforms, whether it was the league or he wasn't prepared for the moment. I don't know what it was, but I think now he's damaged goods, in my opinion, mentally. I would say now from that, you know, from the last Super Cup game coming in for the PKs, I think he definitely boosted his credibility in the club again. The players look at him and say, OK, you're 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 good to us on certain levels, but I think, again, he needs to go to a new club, in my opinion, and, you know, fight for his confidence back and then fight for, you know, consistent minutes. 
I mean, I think this is kind of leading into this kind of this topic right now, guys. And guys, today's topic is we're going to be talking about all about preseason training because I think there's a lot of fallacies out there on what, especially at the university level, what you're expected to do during preseason to get ready for like, you know, that first scrimmage game or that that first, you know, preseason match and everything like that. Um, You know, because I think Omar and, you know, Jesse, because you're you're off camera right now, I'm just going to kind of refer this to Omar first, you know, uh, what, what do we mean kind of Omar in regards to like having, finding that balance between like, you know, uh, wanting to train quote unquote, you know, and also injury prevention. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I think the kind of college mentality and, and I've had cousins who played before I did and, you know, family that played in college as well. And they'd always tell me at these family dinners, like, Hey, you're going to get so fit because you're going to be running Hills. You're going to be doing sprints. The first two weeks of hell week or death, you have two sessions a day. And when I got to college, I one wasn't fit. I thought I was going to get fit in those two weeks. But then I realized that the quality of players, they come in fit, not just not just like aerobically, like, you know, you're running and doing sprints physically so that your body can withstand a full season and you have a good threshold there. So I think, in my opinion, coming into 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 training camp. If you're not in shape, that's when you'll see most of the injuries. And if you, as a coach, can start periodizing and realizing, okay, if it's a double day, a hard session at the beginning where it's, you know, technical and we do a lot of repetitions. And then the afternoon is more tactical, you know, one touch, two touch clearances where your bodies are, you know, not hitting the ground as much. You get creative. And I think speaking to the head coach and having an understanding of like there's goalkeeper fitness and there's regular fitness. And this morning session is going to be the goalkeeping fitness side of things. I'll take care of that. But in the afternoon, we'll integrate them with the team and so on and so forth. So I think there's a mix between the two, but as a goalkeeper coach, we have to remember that there is goalkeeper fitness. Now, now obviously, Jesse, you know, you come from a sports performance background for, for people who are unfamiliar out there. You're not, you're not just a high level goalkeeper coach, but you've also spent a lot of time in sports performance, not just working with goalkeepers, but other type of athletes. Like, is there, is there something in specifically in regards to management that you really want to stress to people out there who are listening? Yeah. I, I mean, I think Omar kind of hit it nail on the head is like, you can't just, come in day one and, and hammer the guys or girls. Um, you know, I think, cause if you're coming in unfit, you're just going to get hurt and it's just not doing anybody any favors, just, you know, trying to get their fitness up in the first week, you know, the, the team needs to come in fit. And if you're not, you're not fit, then, you know, coach, some coaches have decisions to make is should you train? Should you play, you know, and, you know, so on and so forth. I think from, you know, just being at Pitt, we were lucky that a lot of the girls were, were there in the summer. So they were, you know, they've been together doing captain's practices, working with our strength and conditioning coach for um, about six weeks or so before uh, preseason. So, I mean, uh, our girls were pretty much already fit coming into preseason. So once, you know, day one, we could pretty much just hit the ground running uh, just with regular training sessions um, and avoiding injuries. But obviously injuries are going to happen. But, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're unfit and coaches are just trying to come in, and you know, as a coach, I think you expect everybody to be fit. But unfortunately – uh, that's just not the case. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of about, like Omar said, just periodizing and slowly building up that fitness into into a, a place where everybody can, you know, can be at that same level because it's a long season, right? And and for most schools, I think you just have to, you, you want to be peaking around the October time getting into conference season. So um, not to say that non-conference doesn't matter because obviously every game matters, but um, you still want to be peaking later in the season rather than, you know, the first couple of weeks. I, th- I think you're bringing up a really good point there. However, Omar, I-, I do have a question for you because obviously, you know, you've been around it both on the collegiate side and the professional side. Now, do you believe that 
based on that first day, based on before you even begin that first day, you could have either won or lost the starting job based on what you'd been doing prior? Yes, I think there's the eye test. I mean, we can't lie about that. It's it's one of those where you kind of look at the body shapes and the body types and you kind of go, okay, this person's been working, this person hasn't been working. But that's just a quick little glance. And if it's somebody who in the past has shown, hey, you know, if you lose some weight, you'll be good and they come in out of shape, then in my opinion, yes, we start going, okay, what were you really doing in the offseason? Don't BS me. But the other side of it is like, you know, for me, if I can get you into training sessions within the first like five minutes, I can tell if you're in goalkeeper shape or if you're not. Yeah. And and I think, by the way, one thing I, I love is the fact is that the, for a college based episode, you're wearing a Cal State LA shirt. So you're you're yes, repping, you're repping co- college <laughs> college soccer while you're doing that. I, I didn't know if that was an intentional thing or if that was just a, that was just subconscious. You were like, you know what? You're like, I got I got I got to steer clear for the, the pro stuff for a second here. And I got to got to give give the love back to the. Uh, to the youngins. Well, I guess they wouldn't like to be called youngins. They probably would like to be called adults, but you know, adults in training. Yeah. Can we call them adults in training? Is that- <laughs> it, was it was actually, it was pretty funny. We, we, uh, we finished up our training today at, uh, with LAFC finished around 1150 and the Cal State LA guys rolled in and they had uh, uh, training at 12. I wasn't, I mean, I'm not committed to this, the 12 o'clock session. So I'm like walking out and some of the players were like, are these, are you guys like a, is this a youth team? Like youth, youth LAFC team? Like, no, we just have a lot of, a lot of academy guys like this is a pro team. I promise you it's a pro team. So it's just crazy. Like the mix and that's the tough too is like some younger kids, they have more energy and like their bodies are still developing. So, you know, can we push them a little bit more? And that's another conversation for that time. That, that that's actually a, a good conversation though in regards to the difference between a freshman incoming freshman Jesse coming in you know, mm-hmm. and a senior coming in and what your expectations are of them in the preseason and how you can make sure that their load is properly, you know, managed so that they don't overdo themselves because they've never been in this environment before, right? Yeah, um, you know, it, it's been so cool. We have a, you know, we have a great strength and conditioning coach on staff. We have all the GPS systems. So, I mean, you know, every day we're looking at these player loads and monitoring, you know, what are we doing on a daily basis? What's the game load? You know, how can we compare to game load? Um, so I think it's so important just to, to you know, to have a coach and to, or at least, just to be able to monitor some type of loading, even if you're not using the GPS, because I know some schools aren't as fortunate. You know, I've been at plenty of schools where we haven't been, <laughs> we didn't have the money to to have those GPS systems and the catapult and all that good stuff. But um, if you can just find a way to monitor player loading and goalkeeper loading and just, you know, asking how people feel, I think, I think that'll kind of lead you into the the best direction. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, I mean, think Omar, something that I, I kind of want to ask you is that because obviously it's a little bit different in the professional environment. You know, these guys are under professional contracts, you know, they're required to perform at a certain level, regardless of whether they're playing or not. Um, and you kind of have an idea kind of going in, you know, based on, you know, veterans and rookies and, and all that sort of thing. But like at the collegiate environment, you know, how important is it to balance those reps in the preseason to really give everybody a legitimate chance to get seen and to give it get an opportunity to compete for the job yeah i think it goes back to the coach and and how creative you can be like uh for example we have four keepers now at la and so i'm doing two and two uh so they, they they pair up with the new goalkeeper every session and i think again i try to make sure that even though i may know who the starter is i give everybody the equal amount of reps and again i'm very like a harsh critic in preseason where we can do a little bit more coaching so i kind of come down on them hard and, and i'm like i told you mike a few episodes in the past like I have a certain standard and you need to have a higher standard for yourself. And if it drops below your standard and my standard, that's when we have issues. 
And I've been very, very fortunate that we've been able to communicate that with everybody, that it's a fair competition. Everybody's getting an equal amount of reps. It's your time to showcase what you're, you know, what you have. And then obviously the head coach comes in and he's like, Hey, I'm watching the session. Who do you think's good? And then you start having a conversation with the head coach about who fits the system better. So it's a bigger picture, but the first few weeks really, really dictates how you want to represent yourself in the team. And who knows if the first, you know, goalkeeper gets chosen, he goes down that competition during preseason showing your character. Can you be that number two who fights for the number one position versus uh, I'm not going to be the number one. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to kick it. You know, it's, it's not going to be worth my time. So I think that first preseason uh, opportunity gives you an opportunity to see their character as well. Yeah, you know, and and, and just you know, kind of to adding on to, on to that whole thing, I think one of the difficulties, and I I know I'd been in this situation before, you know, as a collegiate player myself, where I had I had a certain point of view of what the coaching staff thought of me, whether it was positive or negative, and that might not necessarily have been the case, but I was second guessing myself because I was trying to think, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? How important is it that you have that honest dialogue with these players? at the beginning of the preseason and really discuss with them, you know, um, where they stand so that they are not trying to figure you out because I think that just can play some horrible mental gymnastics on players. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, been going through it right now with, with my girls at pay, you know, we, we explained to them as it was an open competition. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, everyone is always going to think like, okay, where am I? Am I the first? Am I the second? Am I the third? You know, what am I doing? Oh my goodness. You know, I just made a mistake. So now I'm going from two to three or two, what, what have you. But um, yeah, you know, any, any type of open transparency and open dialogue that you can have with, with your goalkeepers, I think is always going to be important, you know, whether it's, it's good or it's positive or negative, you know, I think a goalkeeper is going to want to hear, okay, you're the third string right now. This is what you need to do to, to beat the number two. Okay. You're the second string. Here's what you do to need to beat the number one. Okay. You're the, you're the starter because of this, this, and this. And, you know, I think from that standpoint, you always want to have that open dialogue and, and be very transparent with your goalkeepers because obviously one person is going to be playing the full 90 minutes and you might, and the other goalkeepers might not see the field for an entire season. So I think just having that, I don't want to call it peace of mind because it might be frustrating knowing you're a three or four, but you know, having that peace of mind to know, at least know where you stand, um, I think will, will create for a better environment in, in training as well. You know, Omar, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think one of the problems is that a lot of goalkeepers don't goalkeeper coaches don't want to have that conversation because it's uncomfortable and and they don't know how to go about it in an appropriate manner where they're where they're they're direct, you know, and honest. But at the same time, you know, they're not berating the goalkeeper or attacking them or make putting the goalkeeper on the defensive, you know, because I think personally myself, like I would much rather know where I stand for and specific reasons on why I stand there because then I would know where where to go from there as opposed to either just guessing or just being told yeah this is the this is this is where we are right now and that's and that's what it is and then no feedback on why that is because then I I don't know where to go from there yeah I think that's important too and I think in my opinion why you need to give it about a week to two weeks you need to give a good amount of time where you as a coach can really develop an honest perspective uh, without having the emotional, okay, he had a bad day today, he's done, I'm not going to evaluate him anymore because he's not good enough. It's more so, okay, he had a bad day, let's see how he reacts. There's always a better perspective to take from a bad day. So for me, it's always been, okay, you this, 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 and this is, is wrong. Okay, the next goalkeeper that I am training, this, 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 and this is bad. Okay, then I'm just kind of like uh, assessing them as we go. 
And then when it's time to make a proper decision where we, hey, hey this is going to be our starter for the season. And if that you know goalkeeper comes to me and I've had that situation, I say, look, let's sit down. Let's watch the film. Let me show you what I'm seeing and what I'm noticing. And again, what the, what the coaching staff and I have discussed. And we had that this year with, with uh, Las Vegas. We had a new guy come in, Alex Rando, who's a very, very good goalkeeper. He became our starter over a goalkeeper that we had who was in our system for the last two months. And then it was a you know, very uh, interesting conversation to have when he asked, okay, why am I not starting? I've been here and this guy just got here. And we said, look, this goalkeeper has this, this, and this. You need to work on this, this, and this. Okay, he gives us more peace of mind when we play. It comes down from the head coach as well. So I think goalkeepers will respect you more if you're not just, hey, when they press you, you're pulling things out of you know where, but you actually have every single bullet point and you've been really, really meticulous and prepared throughout that entire process to give them a, a definitive answer of why you made that decision. Dude, you just brought up a really good point right there, Omar. And Jesse, I don't know how you feel about this too, but you know, I think this is one of the most difficult things for younger goalkeepers to accept is because I think a lot of times they see, you know, obviously their most intimate relationship is with the goalkeeper coach. But I think a lot of young goalkeepers think that the goalkeeper coach has the ultimate say on the starting 11. And Jesse, as you know, Omar, as you know, obviously, you know, at the collegiate level or at the professional level, that that is not necessarily the case. Yeah, I mean, I, at least especially for me, too. It's like, you know, just being so new to this staff and, and seeing the goalkeepers, you know, it's been about a, 10 days or so since maybe a little bit more, maybe closer to two weeks now since, since I've been working with the goalkeepers. And, you know, I have my obviously opinions and my, and my view and, you know, I'm now I, I get to, I know them a little bit more, but in that first scrimmage, you know, it was, it was, we had like maybe five training sessions with them. And I was like, you know, I, I, I have my decision, but I was like, I need you guys to, to kind of make it for me for right now, just because, you know, I'm working with them every day, but you still know them a little bit better. So I think, Again, you know, the head coaches see him in a different side of training as well. Um, so I think, again, that, that communication as a staff, too, is going to be important. But, yeah, the, the head coaching, the head coach definitely has, you know, the final decision in, in everything. Jesse, yeah, I, I just want to ask you a quick question because I, I ran into this. Um, I have ran into this over the past few years where a coach will, let's say a trialist comes in or we have, you know, people comp- you know, competing for the starting job. They ask me, oh, what do you think about this goalkeeper? And I was always so quick to count someone out or say they weren't good or just say, hey, they have no redeeming qualities. After one session, I just thought maybe it was my ego of like, I can assess somebody right <laughs> off the bat. Right. And then over time, I'm realizing I'm like, holy crap, there's there's goalkeepers that I counted out or that I saw one session and then the next two sessions, they bounced back and killed it. Mm-hmm. So have you kind of felt that in the college system now where you're kind of like, I may have spoken too early about that person. Let me backtrack a little bit. They're better or they're worse than I thought. Yeah, you know, I think I think I first I first did that at, Nor- at Northeastern, kind of just like you know I was so quick to judge, and you slowly like you know just slowly you kind of see it's like okay yeah you're right I'm maybe they're doing this maybe they just like you know were tired that one day so you know I, I've learned I think to you know again not be so quick to judge a goalkeeper just by one session two sessions and try to really see you know, over maybe a week or two, just really try to get to know them. And because again, you know, every goalkeeper has a bad day. So it's like, you know, you don't want to, you know, maybe you just got that goalkeeper on the session and, you know, something, something family related happened and their mind's not focused. So um, yeah, you know, I'm definitely guilty of, you know, that ego. It's like, you know, I can assess somebody in one day, you know, you're, you're fine, but it's, yeah, you you definitely need to see a goalkeeper through a course of week. And, And plus two, I think what, 
what sometimes we might forget to, to understand is a training session and then get seeing a goalkeeper in a game in a short side of game 7v7 11v11 is is completely different and it's a completely different environment and i think you can get one goalkeeper in training and then have a completely different goalkeeper in a game for whatever reason Oh my God, guys. I mean, you just brought up something just that I'm just thinking about is in regards to like whenever, when I was younger and I started, you know, working in the, in, in the college environment and going to those combines, you know, scouting for players and things like that. And, and just the misidentification that I made off the bat based on just like the simple, like handling sessions. And I'm like, that, that dude's awesome. That guy's awesome. He gets in the game and he's like one V one. He's like falling on his stomach. I'm like, Ooh, okay. He has no concept how to actually play the game. He just knows how to do drills. That's right. You know, and, and that, that is something that is, that is, it really makes, makes you kind of reevaluate how you approach because Omar, I think, you know, your thing also in, in the assessment is that you have such a high standard of what you want. And I think sometimes, especially for some people out there who are listening, who might be coaching at the younger foundational levels, you have to recognize, like Nathan Thackeray always says, the demands of the game of that level. If you're working with a 10-year-old, you cannot be assessing them like they're a 19-year-old. You just can't, you know, because you're going to be nitpicking forever and you're going to be mi missing out on certain qualities that you can develop over time, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's that's also a big a leap for me, understanding that aspect of, for example, LAFC, we play out of the back a ton. And getting those goal kicks and, you know, goalkeepers who we can identify who are very, very composed and poised under pressure and can find certain pockets and manipulate space and manip manipulate pockets. That's one thing. And then I go to Cal State LA and that's not our system of play. If anything, I remember I told you our coach gets mad if, if I do a drill where it's like a, you know, simulated throw and in our goalkeeper shows and he plays it one time or he shows to the corner of the six or outside the 18 for a pass back. We don't play like that. So it's like the mentality now, like what is the demand, not of just the game, but of the system of play. And now it's like coordinating those sessions, putting those sessions together to really, really get to see which goalkeepers will be the best fit for that team. You, you know, and, and before kind of guys, we're going to go and we're going to be going over kind of like match day, you know, uh, minus five all the way up to match day. Uh, Jesse's got some awesome session designs right here that we're going to go over. But before that, we have a question here uh, in the comment section that I think is a great question. And it comes from uh, the one and only United Goalkeeping Alliance founder himself, Eric Eisenhunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, right here who says, uh, do these meetings with the goalkeepers in the preseason occur with the head coach or assistant coaches present? My, mine, I'll say no, um, at least for me, just because I think I think sometimes, too, um, sometimes I think, you know, players and goalkeepers might not want the head coach or assistant coach there just because you're with them every day. So they might just feel a little bit more comfortable with you and and, and having a little more privacy with you. And I know for me, at least I didn't want the head coach and assistant coach there just because they might hold something back. Um, they, you know, they just might not feel comfortable saying something in front of a head coach. And, you know, I think for me too, it, it just helps me get to know them on a more personal level level. So at least for me um, in the beginning, at least I didn't have the head coach or assistant coach there. Omar. Um, I think, there are certain things that it need to be involved that the head coach needs to be involved in. Um, but like personal, like, uh, you know, personal development stuff and having those tougher conversations, I hear it from the coach and then I filter obviously the information down to dumb it down to like goalkeeping specifics. And then if they question that, then I say, look from, from the top down, this is how we feel. So I usually keep that in my back pocket if the goalkeeper is, and I've had it, where they just don't see things the way everybody else is seeing. They think they're better than they are. And I'm just like, look, flat out, look, <laughs> you, we don't, you're not dependable. 
you're in this situation and you're, you know, you're dropping crosses versus teams that don't really have much action. And now you're costing us momentum. You're costing us goals, things like that. Where like, I'm always prepared, but yeah, for the most part, head coaches for me, unless it's very, very severe, they won't be involved. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I want to say this right now, you know, I, it, when I've been in those situations as well before too, um, a lot of it for me, Jesse, I love what you said about, you know, being able to be open and honest and, and players are more comfortable talking to just the goalkeeper coach than they are with the head coach and assistant. It's kind of like the parents are there too, as opposed to just like the older brother, you know, they're like, you know, they'll, they'll confide in the older brother more, but like if the parents are there, like they're going to be, like, you know, um, cause they're, they're going to be paranoid about what they're saying. I've had to massage conversation as well too. head coach has told me, or an AC has told me, Hey, tell so-and-so blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, not telling them that. Are you out of your mind? Like you'll lose them for the rest. We'll lose them for the rest of the season. Are you a crazy person right here? Uh, so I'll have to be like, I'll like, okay, well I'll take care of it. And I'm like, I'm going to say it in my words that I know is going to work. And every goalkeeper is different. So the way you speak to one goalkeeper, it's going to be very different than the way you speak to another goalkeeper. So I think one of the, another mistake that I made when I was younger is talking to multiple goalkeepers in front of each other about, about each other. And that, that is a terrible Terrible idea. Please, uh, please, please, please don't do that. Um, oh, there's one more question here, guys. Do you guys mind one more question before we go to session design? Is that cool? Please. Is that cool? All right. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Miguel Martinez on YouTube, and he goes, how have you managed goalkeepers who are un unhappy with not playing? Good question, Miguel. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it's, again, it's just going to be a, tra a tra that open, transparent conversation is, if they're not playing, I'm sure they're, they're going to want to know why. Um, and again, it's, I think it's about development too, as a person. Um, and just to show that you care about them and their development, I think can be a way to, to help manage that. I mean, it's definitely tough when, you know, cause everyone wants to play, but at the end of the day, it's, I think for me, it's just about managing their, their expectations and then managing their development too, as a person, and as a player. Um, again, I just think it's it's going to be a tough situation no matter um, what level you're at, you know, because people are always going to be unhappy with not playing. So for me, it's just, you know, explain to them why they're not playing. Let's try to fix why they're not playing and, and see what happens. Omar, is this conversation more difficult at the pro level than at the, than at the, the amateur level? I, I'm, I would assume it would be. Uh, I mean, obviously you saw what's happening with the first team, you know, Tomas has stepped in, who's our starting goalkeeper for a little bit. And then, you know, Pablo, had his opportunity and now Tomas is in there. So I'm sure for Zach, who's our first team goalkeeper coach, that's a, that's a conversation he's had. I've been very fortunate because our starting goalkeeper, we have two Academy guys under and he is, you know, he's, he's better than the guys. So it's not a close competition quite yet. So for me, I haven't had to feel awkward in those situations. However, the standard is still kept high, but I think to Jesse's point, if I was in that situation, I would say, look, you know, obviously, this, like Jesse said, these are the reasons why. Um, however, if there are, based on the reasons that I'm giving you, if you'd like to get extra sessions in, or like you talked about, Mike, minus three, minus four out, we, I usually like to make sure that the first day back, we do something very goalkeeper specific. Like, what is something you guys want to work on? And I will draw a session around that. And then as we get closer and closer to the game, it's more tactical and based on the opponent analysis. But early in the week, I kind of want to make them feel accountable for, I'm showing up to this session because I asked for it. And if they want to stay afterwards, we've done it with like, you know, our center backs and, you know, working with our uh, some more younger goalkeepers. It's like, this is what I want you to work on. You tell me if after practice works or before practice. And we stay back there, whether it's one touch clearances across the body with their left foot or their right foot. 
little things like that where I think if you really take accountability for your development and I put it in their hands, they can ask me, I'm always available. So I feel like as long as they feel person, uh, I'm personable with them and they feel valued, I think it'll hold them out a little bit longer. But but by the way, you're in a, you're in a, you're in an interesting situation right now. Obviously, you know, uh, being at a professional club like that is that these young guys, these young academy guys, it's not a situation of where they just won't play at all because they still can get reps with the youth teams. You know, so they're they're there, they're learning and everything, but they're still getting you know reps of the youth team. Obviously, at the collegiate level, Jesse, it's it's much more difficult because there is no JV team for them to be playing in. You know, right. I mean, there's, it's, it's one thing to be scrimmage, you know, doing, you know, in team, in, in team scrimmages. It's another thing to be actually going up against competition that of strangers that you don't know in any way whatsoever, because that's going to be less manufactured for lack of a better term, you know, than being on a scout team. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's why, again, I think it's important just to, to keep an open conversation and, and try to focus on their development as much as you can. Cause at the, you know, everyone's there to get better every day. I mean, obviously the academics too at the college, uh, level, but you're still there to get better and you know try to compete for a starting spot. So, um, you know, just focusing on that development any way you can. Yeah. So let go ahead, Omar. Just like to, Miguel. So just to answer your question, I think it's it make it personable. Like really pull them aside, and again, you want their best interest in mind. And I've always felt comfortable knowing that I've I go out of my way to ask, "What do you need?" And if I put the ball in their court and they don't reciprocate or they don't you know take advantage of that. That's their problem. For me as a coach, I'm just like, look, I'm at your service. I'm here early. I'm, I'll stay a few minutes after practice. Whatever you need, those repetitions add up. And I think as coaches, we need to offer that perspective for the kids who don't necessarily know how that extra work could add up in amount at the end of the season. So I want to pull up right now, uh, you know, some of Jesse's sessions from the preseason right here, you know, with the pit women here. Uh, first off, Jesse, kind of before we kind of get into this whole thing, I think one of the things that I, I love about watching your sessions is the joy that's taking place right there. It's still a competitive, but it's a fun environment. The players are enjoying themselves while they're working, you know, at, you know, at the, at the maximum of their abilities, you know, and how, how important is that for you, you know, to have that? I mean, I'm even looking at it just like a simple activity like this, you know, and, and you can't hear it because I muted it, but they're, they're laughing. They're having a great time. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think they expected this to, you know, our, our very first session to start with a big square I said, okay, let's play some tag. Um, just because I don't know, I've, I've, you know, I, I never done, did anything like this at the pro level, did some, did stuff like this at Northeastern. I, and again, I think these games are just fun to kind of go through and try to get them going a little bit, break them out. It kind of breaks them out of the shell too. Cause I think, you know, I just met these girls a few days ago and it'll just kind of get them, I think a little bit more comfortable with me to show them, you know, you know, I like to have fun, just want to get them laughing and know to show that you know there, there's other there's more to to a session than just kicking balls at each other and, and making diving saves so it was tag okay so i'm it not was crazy tag. we were was, trying to was, tag was, each other yeah. i was watching it late last night omar and i was like are they playing tag i was like uh -huh. man i was like i was like oh boy i wonder what the next next session's gonna look like um <laughs> but then obviously you know we're seeing the adjustment now now you're going into yeah. for for those of you guys who are listening right now now we're going to a you know, some more, more actual goalkeeper like movements, you know, you're some mm. shuffles and sets, you know, mirror work and stuff. Omar, is this, is this types of familiar type of stuff to you for uh, the beginning of the preseason? Um, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> you're I, like, I, no, I, I mean, it, obviously like the component of, of, you know, getting everyone to know each other, but like this kind of work as well, it's like functional training of like, you're going to need this and you need to build, in my opinion, during preseason, the muscle memory in the legs where like, again, they need to get stronger and stronger as the season goes on. 
it's like those kind of functional stuff where it's still fun and you're getting everybody engaged, but it's, it's not a waste of time. It's actually going to benefit you. Yeah. So, so Jesse, what, what, uh, what as, as we kind of move on right now, right, like for, for those people who are listening and stuff, like, why don't you kind of paint this picture of kind of where you go and the progression from here? Yeah. So, um, so this was our, our very first session together. So, I mean, for me, I just wanted a kind of just to lay a foundation and get to know the goalkeepers a little bit better. You know, what's their footwork like, what's their touch like, just basic, basic passing. So a lot of this was just very simple stuff. And, you know, I start most sessions, whether I'm doing an individual or just really any session that I'm doing, if I haven't done a session with somebody in a while or just somebody I'm trying to get to know, it's I'll always kind of go back to this session just because it's all technical work in the bubble and it's all foundational for me and my standpoint. So again, we're, we're just working in a three by three square, uh, just different footwork patterns, just playing the ball to their feet, keeping their touch in tight, trying to play one, two touches back and forth to, um, to their partner. Omar, I got that question for you because, you know, obviously, you know, when, when you're in an environment where it, whether it's a private session or, or, or it's a college or pro or whatever, and you're not familiar with the players, I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of young coaches make out there is that they, they get too elaborate or, or, or they get too ahead of themselves when they literally don't even know how these players move first. It's all based on concept. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're just getting to know them. Um, I think it's important to put them through like basic activation so you can kind of see where their level's at. And I think us coaches, we've trained enough kids at every age group, uh, male and female, to understand right off the bat someone's first touch or the way they catch the ball or the way they scoop to understand, okay, they're at a certain level or uh, they're not as good as we thought or they're not as good as they, they, they would text me and say, hey, I'm trying to play professional and I train them. And I'm like, where? Like, excuse me? So it's always good to, to start with the, the, not the basic, but like good fundamental stuff and then see where they go from there. Yeah. And I encourage anybody, honestly, who's listening to the audio right now, because it's very difficult to actually walk through this session design from an audio standpoint. I encourage you guys to uh, to find either the Facebook, YouTube or uh, Twitch streams and uh, and check out the uh, the episodes uh, themselves here on from the visual, because there's a, a lot here that you can get from the from the visual here. Um, should we move on to the uh, to the second day, Jess? Or is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, no, about? I mean, it, it was all it was all simple stuff. You know, we finished with just, again, more kind of short movements up to the cone back little backpedaling and setting and and just more handling so um again kind of kind of more function i guess just basically more technical stuff i don't even think we got into the goal on the first day okay so let's uh let's let's move into the second day right here and why don't you uh before we kind of i'm gonna um yeah mute it, it sorry for the volume no, that's okay. Well, I'll pause it first because now it looks like we're getting a little bit more game realistic right now. So why don't you kind of walk us through day two before we actually start watching the video here? Yeah, so um, I, I think here too, after day one, because the, they didn't really have, while they were together over the summer, they didn't really have goalkeeper training. So day one, you know, coming in day two, they were all a little bit sore, a little bit, um, the groins were starting to feel a little bit tight because they were, were doing a lot of cutting uh, on day one. So here, Again, because we didn't get into more, you know, again, game realistic per se, just playing out of the back, playing under pressure. I wanted to get them used to it and, and show them that we're going to be doing a little bit of this and trying to incorporate this into a lot of our sessions just because, um, you know, after talking to them, this is something that they didn't really get before. Um, they had a lot of technical reps, but they never really got just getting used to playing out of the back and playing under pressure. And uh, we do want to play out of the back. We want our goalkeepers to be comfortable with our feet. So just again, trying to get them comfortable any way they can playing under pressure, switching, switching the point of the 
point of the attacks. Yeah, for those of you guys who are listening right now, what's happening is that the ball served from a, a little bit out, out inside the 18 on an angle right there. Uh, there's a chaser coming inside the box, and uh, the player has to make a, a clear decision with the outside foot and, and, and play it out. Omar, any thoughts here? Um, no, no. I think, again, like you, Jesse's saying, I think style of play is important and getting those repetitions. Like, we can't get mad at somebody if they're not you know, excelling at something that we don't train or implement into session. So I think it's, it's important, especially in preseason when you have double days to get sessions like this where their body won't be taxed, but mentally they need to be composed with those first touches and prep touches. So I think it's, it's great work. Yeah. yeah so, then, so now what's the progression? Yeah. Go ahead. Jess. Yeah, what's so, the progression so yeah. So, so I kind of, I plan my sessions a little bit weird. Like, um, you know, I think a lot of coaches kind of will either work backwards and try to, try to have everything related in a sense from an in possession, out of possession standpoint. And I do that to an extent with some of the movement, but for me, I think just goalkeeping is such a, it's a, it's just such an odd position. Like you don't know what's going to happen. So um, sometimes I just like to do an in possession activity and then just go to complete something completely different in handling just to like, see where their mental state's at too, you know, just to kind of keep them off guard. But here's again, just more a little bit, a little bit of handling, a little, little bit of movement across the goal a little bit of passing. Um, and I think that's kind of all the time time we had for the day, I believe at least that was on, on film, but, um, no, you, you just brought up a really yeah. good point though. And, and Omar, this is, this is a conversation that, you know, that we've obviously had on the show, especially in the collegiate environment, you know, even in the preseason, like, you know, it's really about when the coaches want the goalkeepers to, to get, to, to get, to get involved. And a lot of times that can, that can change from day to day. So you might plan out a session in the preseason and think, Oh, okay, well, I've got an hour with them right here. And you end up having 20 minutes. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more difficult in the college setup. I mean, luckily at Cal State LA, we always had meetings. So we knew when, you know, when I would have them uh, professional level, they let you know a day in advance. So you have, you know, Steve Trondolo does a good job of that. So we have an idea of what, who I'm getting, the, the amount of space I'm getting as I have everything in, in my disposal. Yeah. I mean, but well, I, obviously, no, and I, and I, and I was saying, you know, more at the, uh, at the collegiate level than, uh, than, uh, than, than the professional yeah. level. I didn't want to throw, I didn't want to throw LAFC under the bus right there. <laughs> say that they're just, uh, that they don't, they don't know what they're doing right there. Um, you know, but I, but, but, you know, Jesse, obviously, you know, you guys have conversations as well, too. I don't want to also say mm -hmm. the pit is just kind of, you know, playing it, you know, you know, on the fly. But, but again, as goalkeeper coaches, we have to be malleable and we have to be able to adjust our sessions, you know, based on the needs of the team. I mean, they might lose numbers. You know, a couple of people might go in, get injured or so-and-so right. has to leave for an, uh, for an exam and, you know, you, ha you have to step in. Plus, uh, I think, too, what, what I've started to do is, I mean, I always know how much time I'm given. Um, so, but I think for me, it's like, if I know too, I know I'm going to have like 45 minutes and then I know we're going to go into short sided game. I know the goalkeepers are going to get a lot of reps in that too. So then I try try to go, okay, what's really, you know, what, what's the most valuable? What can, what can I get out of them in really like a 35 minute session after a warm up or so? And, you know, what do they really need to focus on? Because I know they're about to get a lot of reps. So I don't need to worry about, you know, getting them the reps in my session per se, because I know they're, you're, they're about to hop into it anyway. So. Um, if I want to focus more on playing out of the back and I know that takes a little bit longer then you know, I might just spend a little bit more time there and then take the last 10, 15 minutes to just get their hands warm and get them, you know, start to get them kind of prepped for a, a short sided game or a shooting yep. drill or what have you. Yeah. I, I want to move into this right now because now I want to go into the day three because I want everyone to see kind of what's going on here because now that they've established a little bit of a foundation, you've done a little bit of match activity. Now you're incorporating some performance training, which, uh, 
you you always have some awesome stuff when it comes to when it when when it comes to uh when it comes to that. So let me uh let me let me let me whoops let me mute that real quick right here. So first off, what's going on right here, Jesse? Yes. So um so first you know Monday was a little bit harder. Tuesday was a little bit lighter, and then this was supposed to be kind of again kind of taper back up and then taper back down because I think we were playing in in like three days at this point. But again, just trying to prep them for crossing and. Again, they're still a little bit tight and sore. Obviously, it's preseason. They're going through a lot. So just to get the ankles and, and legs loose. And then, um, yeah, that next one was just, again, just to, to kind of prep the legs. And and um, obviously, the ankle, the line jumps are a staple in, in a lot of what I do and warm up. And then that that uh, drill there, again, just get the legs warm. And again, another little fun game just to kind of get them laughing a little bit, get them wrestling with each other and you know, just having pushing them around. And again, I think it's fun, just builds more camaraderie between the group. And it's just a fun little way to, to start the session and kind of, again, because it's still day three and they're still getting to know me. I'm getting to know them, but I think it, it's just a fun way for them to kind of ease their mind a little bit from, you know, who's starting, where, where am I and, and so on and so forth. I, you just found a great, great use for stability ball. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, Omar. I think, I, I think I, I want, I want to do this at the next session that I, that I do. I'm just gonna pull out a stability ball and just say, hey guys, everybody, we're wrestling against each other with the stability ball in between us. Yeah, you got, you, the the goal is to try to push, push the other person kind of past the line. So as you see there, she got past the line. And here's a little grip strength again. Another little one. They're just trying to wrestle, wrestle the ball away from each other. Kind of a little taxing on the legs, but just again a fun, a fun, um, fun little exercise to have them compete with each other. Omar, I got a question for you, you know, being in the professional environment, is this, can you have this quote unquote type of fun or light type of activity incorporated as well too? Or, or would you say that, you know, it would be frowned upon or the players would, would look at it as silly or whatever? No, I think you need to keep it light. I think there's, there's obviously with competition with so many games going on in the season, there's nerves, there's, you know, big games, tactical, whatever I think sometimes you need to take the edge off a little bit. And I think um, obviously with the intention that not the entire session is like that, but just to warm up <laughs> so that, that, you know, I like playing basketball, passively working out something like this, where you're passively, mm -hmm. you know, engaging certain parts of the body that you'll need later in the session. I think that's where the genius of the coach has to come in, where it's like, it can be a waste of 10 minutes or I can actually implement stuff that's going to be layered into the rest of the session. And again, that's, that's why I think that, planning out your session and really sitting down and being meticulous about it and keeping a log of that will help you out uh, over time when you are pressed to say, Hey, you had 40 minutes and now you have 20. Now you have all this backlog in your head of like, Oh, I've done this, this, and this, and I can actually shorten this activity. So I think that's really important. So now I kind of want to move into this right here, Jesse, because now it looks like now we're getting a little bit more task specific, you know, for, yeah. for goalkeeping, not saying that the line jumps weren't more task specific because that was right. obviously but, involves crossing, but why don't you kind of walk us through and can you, if you can pay, paint a picture for the audio, that'd be great too. Yeah, so um, so this right here, so we have two Bosu balls down. I have them just stepping one foot on, jumping up, getting in the crossing motion, then coming down um, without the ball right now. And just the reason for it is the Bosu ball is supposed to kind of act like a trampoline and just get the girls up higher than they're they're used to or they're not used to going. So then when they're landing, you know they they have to they're forcing their bodies to absorb more force. So now they're producing more force into the ground and and they're actually straining their legs a little bit as well. And it's just kind of getting them too comfortable at a different, different height. And then um, moving into just adding a ball, same thing, just kind of using the Bosu ball as a trampoline and just getting them maybe uncomfortable a little bit at, at a different height and landing at a different height, just because again, it's just something that they're not used to and trying to force the bodies to, to adapt a little bit. 
Dude, I love this. I've never done this before. This looks awesome, Omar. Yeah, it was that was the first time I did that too. Um, and I was trying to figure out if I liked it or not. And I think I think it I do like it just because um, again it just forces kind of just forces the body a little bit, um, and it's a little more taxing just because you're landing at a little bit from a higher jump. But yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the foundational ages and I'm looking at, you know, the kind of you're adding that depth jump kind of, you know, element to right. it. Exactly. Um, I'll, you know, teaching them how to land properly, you know. Um, Omar, any thoughts? No, I think you're also teaching timing as well. I think that's where it's like, yeah, if you if you if you jump on the ball too early, you're going to be landing on the way down versus on the way up. Um, so, again, that's also one of those when sometimes you put like a barrier. People frown upon sometimes diving under over rope. But in my right. opinion if you use the right way where it's like, you're going to have spatial awareness and you need to slow your body down so that you're not going underneath the rope and you're overextending, but knowing where you're going to get down. So having specific moments like this, where you are teaching something that's going to be layered into the bigger picture. I think is also really, really valuable. I, I noticed Jesse that they're getting faster. Is that because they're, they've, they've warmed up a little bit or is that because uh, just, just their, their just, just the, the direction that you're giving them to, to no, push into um, that's, that's probably just them. They're probably just getting used to the timing a little bit better. And so they could kind of speed up the reps and, and they were just getting a little more comfortable, I would say. Yeah. And now it seems uh, like you're going from, from that into actual goalkeeper movements specifically with a, a drop step crossover and then back into, into the cross. And this is again, all without the ball. And then I'm, I'm assuming that then you incorporate the ball. Yeah. Just, just muscle memory stuff there. Just getting the, you know, dropping in, just kind of, Working on the cross step because I think too after talking to a few of them they they've never really worked with the cross step so I just wanted to kind of see the um the comfort level there and and just see how they move drop in because again you can see it's kind of uncomfortable for some um they're still getting used to it so I just want to kind of paint a different picture for them because I think in a game too you know you, we I think we always say this you're always just going to do subconsciously what you're comfortable most comfortable with but at, at least for me you know I just want to kind of paint a different picture. Of, Hey, let's try this footwork out. See how you like it. If you don't like it, okay, you don't have to use it. But at least, um, you know, it might be more beneficial too, and you might you might end up liking it. It might help you too uh, as well in a game. I like right here when when we when we move on from the activity when we when we go into the goal right here how you've got that that high ball and then the ball's played back in and then you have to drop back to create depth as if it was mm -hmm. a bad rebound like a box out and then you got to yeah. make the save type of thing. I think that's this is really solid, especially at the foundational ages for any people working with younger goalkeepers here. So yeah, and then um, here just kind of moving on again, just taking that drop step, trying to simulate. Okay, we're not going to come for the cross, so we're just going to get back and and drop to our line, just get you get comfortable hitting the ground. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That's what, yeah. that's what's going on here. And this, and this kind of, cause I, and this actually, this went well with what we were doing as a team session. Cause the team was going into crossing and finishing. So normally I would probably hit some wide services, but I knew that, that they were going to get that from the team. So um, I figured here I could just focus on a little bit more of a more reaction saves. Oh, and, and then now I noticed that now that you're adding the stability ball into the, bringing into it back. the yep. here. yeah, bringing it back. So it's all kind of coming full circle. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. which I, which I, which I love now the stability ball, Jesse, is that, is that, are you doing that because from a safety standpoint, you'd prefer them having some sort of barrier uh, between them and the, and the goalkeeper so that people aren't running That's into cool. each other or, 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 or no. what's the reason um, for that? Yeah, it was more just, we had the balls out and you know, you normally I would just have another goalkeeper kind of slap at the hands and kind of hold them. But I think the stability ball just kind of creates a little bit more fun. And I think, and then you'll see here, they, they both have the, the ability now to use it as kind of a rebounder as well. 
So um, kind of dual purpose stability ball. And, and it also, I think too, when you're jumping, it's a little bit more realistic uh, to simulate a person kind of jump, jumping into a person and you kind of push them, you kind of get that little shove that uh, uh, an opponent might give you. Yeah. And, and Omar, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, working at the youth levels, you know, maybe not at the collegiate level or the professional level, you know, you know, you, you really don't want kids running in and heading, heading the ball, you know, while the goalkeeper's coming in from a safety standpoint, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, they've banned it, I think, at all, at all ages. You can't really you can't do any headers, so I'm, I'm assuming there's a thing for that. But I think, yeah, no, I think in these situations, um, even when we, for example, we, we scout against Orange County, they, you know, we want to make sure that it's their guy, then our guy in front versus our guy, and then their guy. So, you know, our goalkeeper doesn't have to run through two players. So it's just like when you have a, a ball like this, like that obviously adds like a defender and a striker who are probably in your way. And most teams will have a striker on the goalkeeper on corner. So to create space, it's almost like, can you worry about, can we, can we worry about creating space, but also not losing focus on the service that's coming in? I think that's where we have a lot of issues sometimes where there is traffic. You get so caught up in trying to get around the strikers that what ends up happening is that the ball comes in and you're like, well, I need to go. And you can't really control that urge and you get caught in no man's land. And we've seen it so many times. Yeah, I, th- I think you, you, you've, you've brought up just a really, really good point in, in regards to that because and I think that if they get comfortable with that, with that understanding of those runs and understanding of the placement of the players and things like that, you know, and I'm not saying that at the collegiate level, you know, they, they don't have an understanding of that, but, you know, uh, they're going to not have that deer in the headlights you know, when, when those runs are made in a way that they didn't expect it or when they come out and they go, Oh no, what am I supposed to do now? You know, type of a thing. It seems like Jesse, that your goalkeepers are really starting to understand, you know, how to drop, when to attack that sort of thing. Um, and that, that these, these balls, this barriers kind of really help them with that. So, yeah, you know, that's the hope we're still working on it. You know, we still struggle at sometimes in, in dealing with those, but again, you know, the more we practice, the, the better we get. I also too what what I've been doing. Um, if you saw one of the girls slam the slam the ball down after she missed one of the rebounds, is because what I've been what I like to do is just make make it a competition between the goalkeepers. And so uh, for that one, for instance, I did a little point system. So uh, you know, catching the cross is a guaranteed point, but you get a point, you get another point for throwing it into the goal, and then a point if they miss it or or you make a save. So uh, the girl who slammed the ball, I think, needed needed to to score to to tie it or or kind of secure her win so that's why she was mad but and again it just kind of creates her a little bit more of a competitive and fun environment i mean and i think that i think that i think healthy competition is important and i think if you if it's fun healthy competition it's much better than negative competition that people you know are are competing against each other for fear reasons right um you know and i, th- I think that's so important um how are we doing on time here guys should uh, should we should we do go through the last two days uh, before the match or uh, what, how are you guys doing on time here? I'm good. I'm good. If you guys are, I got to go soon, Mike, but I can, I get five more minutes for me. Okay. All right. So uh, what, what should we do? Should we f- day five or day six, Jesse? What would, what would be better for you? Uh, I think the, the six one was after probably go day five, just cause day six was after a few days and after a couple okay. games. So it's kind of like a return to, to play. Okay. All right, gotcha. All right, so I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to mute this again here, and I will pause it. Okay, so why don't you walk us through kind of now where 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 are we in the week, and you know how comfortable are they, how fit are they, all of that. Yeah, so I was trying to taper taper this one down a little bit because I think we were playing with pr- probably within two days because I think the the day before we were just going over set pieces. So this is probably uh, two days out. They, and I was told by a trainer and by them. 
they were they were all feeling pretty sore and, and pretty tight. So I wanted to um, just. Did I lose you guys? Mute. I nope. headphones from Sorry, my, head, my headphones died, so I'm just going to. Oh, okay. Um, That's okay. But yeah, so I think we we're about two days out here. Um, so again, just wanted to get, get them moving, get some, you know, some footwork activation handling. Um, so this is all just simple, simple footwork, getting the hands working. A couple little, couple light jumps, nothing crazy. Um, again, they were all kind of a little, little bit sore, so I didn't want to do too much. And we hadn't gone over breakaways yet, so just some light smothering activities, getting them comfortable diving at hands. Um, again, from a kneeling standpoint, just getting technique down. And, and then again, just meeting the attacker head on, getting them comfortable with that. And then um, this one's predicted. Next one, I think, is a little bit more reaction-based. So now the the server can can kind of choose which ball she wants to go to, and and the goalkeeper is just going to react a little bit a little bit more. You know, I, I think you just brought up a really good point right there, and Omar. You know, this is this is a conversation that I think we were talking about earlier at the very beginning of this episode. Here is that you have to recognize what you did the day prior when you're talking about periodizing, you know, and, and, and managing load and all those sorts of things. And if, you know, if you've done something heavy, you know, like a crossing activity like that, you know, to, to go into immediately go into full movement breakaways, you know, well, you're going to, you're going to kill these players. Yeah. And then I think, I think we just did a little bit blocking next. If I'm not mistaken. It was another shorter session for them. Um, just because again, they were feeling sore. So I was trying to taper it down. I think we just did it like some blocking technique after that and a little bit of handling. Um, and then we went into kind of playing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, that, and that kind of led him to our week. And then I think after, after our first scrimmage exhibition, we did a little bit more one V one stuff after they were kind of recovered a little bit. And again, I could, and then from there I could kind of bring, bring that load a little bit heavier. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it, it. this is just a really good kind of blanket template, you know, and, and I think, you know, Omar, I think, you know, for young coaches out there who are listening, I think, you know, you would express this as well, too, you know, in your opinions that, you know, we don't want them to look at Jesse's session, okay, and say, okay, cool, I'm going to do that, because they have to, they have to just use this as kind of an example of how you can build something, but they have to be based, it has to be based in reality of what's going on with their team, their player strengths, what their demands are, all those sorts of things, right? Yeah, I would hope that we're past that point now where people just blindly follow <laughs> sessions without, without asking questions. I would hope, Mike, I think we've, with this podcast and people we had on, I hope we do, we've done our job properly. But yeah, you know, we I may think, have some new people. I just, yeah, just I want to stress it, you know? Yeah, no, but I think, again, one is, is understanding what, if you can understand like a perspective of what is Jesse trying to do with this. Um, and then again, understanding uh, that there's social media that you can reach out to Jesse and ask him like, hey, what was your perspective on this? And like, why did you do this? What was the context? And uh, he just showed us there's a reason why he was using the BOSU ball, why he was using, uh, you know, the stability ball for crossing. So I think understanding that aspect and then having that in your memory bank. And then when the opportunity does come with, with a private session or a team, you can go back and say, I want to work on crossing today. Well, I want to work on crossing through traffic, lateral, you know, lateral service. Okay, perfect. So now maybe using that, uh, you know, that BOSU exercise and maybe using that stability ball. So now you have it in your memory bank. You have it like stored. You can always, always access that and use it. But again, if you have an idea or don't have an idea of what this is trying to do, reach out to them, reach out to anybody who posts content on social media. Most likely they'll be able to give you the reason and context behind what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, go ahead. Go ahead, Jess. For more context too, it was like, it, it, it was interesting because, you know, 
I get there, we play in a week. So I'm still trying to understand them as goalkeepers while also trying to prepare them for a match. So um, it, it was a little bit of a, an interesting week because, you know, again, I want to understand them and understand their technique. And I kind of did more than that than, than match preparation just because, again, it's preseason. So I, I think I had the, the liberty and, and time to do it. But it was just still, you know, you still want to prepare them and, and give them the, the best chance to succeed in the match while trying to still understand what, you know, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are after kind of a week of working with them. You know, and, and, and for those people out there who might be might be new, you know, maybe maybe you've clicked onto this because, you know, you're you're a fan of Pit women's soccer, you know, or, you know, you're a, a younger player, you know, who, who found about it through Jesse because you've worked with him in the past. Um, you know, Omar, why don't you tell some people who if they're not familiar, you know, kind of how you do your breakdowns on social media of an of activities or session designs like this to give it context so that they understand, you know, maybe when they go back to their club, how to how to film and how to break it down for people to, to watch it so that they understand why they're doing it. Like why, what, what I, if I was to watch Jesse's session online, what, like what goes through my head and how I. Exactly. Exactly. And how you would break it the, down. Yeah. I think the, you know, working with, with Steve Sherunderlo, for example, sometimes I, I ask him questions and he'll respond back. What do you get out of it? What are you thinking? What are you seeing? So instead of him giving me the answer and force feeding it to me, it's more so like, Hey, open up your mind come with a solution and give me an opportunity to understand what's going on in your head. So if I'm watching Jesse's session, I will sit there and I'll go, I wonder what he's doing, why he's trying that, what he's doing. And then I'll kind of like, hope, you know, bite my tongue for a second and see the next progression. Then I go, ah, okay, that's exactly what I would have done as well. Or I never thought of it like that. So come with an open mind is what I would do first. Understand and see what and what, uh, what Jesse's trying to do, why he's trying to do it. And then if you figure out what and why, find out the context. What part of the season was this in? Like you said, Jesse, there's opportunities where the girls were probably going to get exercises um, that were going to, you know, force them to get a lot of repetition. So you may not be focusing on repetitions. It's more so the foundational pieces of the big picture of what they're going to be seeing. So again, had you not told me, now I'm like, okay, it must have been a, it must have been a slow day for them, recovery day, functional day. So I got that piece, but I'm also missing a huge piece now that you 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 didn't, maybe I didn't you, I didn't know. So now I know. So it's following up. And seeing and confirming if the ideas that you may have had based on what you saw in the context or what you saw and then getting the context from the person who created the session. Dude, there's, there's nothing worse than like when I was a kid, well, a kid. Okay. When I was a younger coach made it sound like I was like 12, <laughs> 12 years old running sessions out there, which, uh, Hey, there's some people out there who are doing that. So you, 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 you never know. But, uh, I remember I went, to uh, and watched Liverpool's Academy, uh, a training session. And then I just went out the next day and I just ran that session without talking to those Liverpool coaches on why they were doing that at all, hmm. nor understanding the level of the goalkeepers that they were working with too. Uh, We've needless all done to that, say, Mike. Oh man. We've oh, all that done was, that. Thank God it wasn't on social media. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing too, is like, uh, uh, you hear these coaches and sometimes their terminology is very much geared towards the goalkeeper they're speaking to. So I remember saying things that I used to hear from uh, Neil Cutler and I would see, you know, see his stuff and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to use that. I'm going to say exactly what he just said. And then I would say, and the goalkeepers would be like, what are you talking about? And I would be like, you know, I'm just saying this, this, and this. And they're just like, but how does that pertain to me? Like, I don't understand that. And I'm just like, give me five. I got to go back and check what, why Neil said that or what he, what he was trying to say. So it's important, again, make those mistakes as a young coach early, but always, always try and, for me at least, articulate your thoughts of what you're seeing and why you're going to try and implement it. And then when a goalkeeper does challenge you, because they will sometimes when it's like a session that you they kind of just go out of left field what is this you can kind of say oh this is what i'm trying to work on 
And most goalkeepers will always say and give you the benefit of the doubt and go, okay, I got you. As long as you can confirm to me why we're doing this. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of uh, understanding why we're doing this, uh, we're doing this because uh, Jesse, uh, we're doing it on Tuesday because Jesse is heading to, where is it, Oklahoma? Um, yeah, it? yeah, we open our season on Thursday against Tulsa and then Sunday against Oklahoma State in kind of like a preseason tournament. I think it's called like the Cowgirl Classic or something. Are you guys performing? Are you guys participating in the Cowgirl Classic at Cal State LA, Omar? Are you guys, uh, you guys, you guys, you guys doing that? We are not. We play UC Riverside on Friday. That's the closest <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, guys, I got, I got to head out. I'm so sorry, Jesse. Always no. a pleasure, man. Always, always. Thank you, Omar. Obviously, we'll guys, soon. follow Omar Zini at ProGK Academy underscore Jesse. Where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, uh, Instagram more than Instagram, Twitter, goal line on both. Um, if you guys, if you're listening to this and you do want to see the session, just send me a message on Instagram. I'm happy to share uh, the Google the Google Drive with you. I'm always updating it uh, with our session. So just uh, just let me know and we can talk more. Cool. And also, obviously, shout out to United Goalkeeping Alliance, Eric Eisenhunt, uh, for for sharing this out with the uh, with the community out there. I I know that you guys really believe in Jesse and everything that he's doing, and I'm glad that you were able to to share this uh, this content uh, out with people. Um, guys, contact at insidethe18media.com or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion. Uh, my website is updated, guys. MichaelMagidComedy.com. All my uh, tour dates are up there. I think until. November, um, October 21st, 22nd, I will be in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, actually, I'll be in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, shout out to Stan Anderson. Now, uh, we're going to be making a big announcement very soon on why that's going to be. So, uh, if you guys are in the Wisconsin area, if you are. Uh, if you're a camp shutout uh, alum, we'd love to love to see you out there for this very, very important charity benefit show uh, that we're going to be doing out there. Um, that's all the time on Inside the 18, guys, and we are out. Later, guys. Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to let you all know that we had some technical difficulties with the audio. We've done our best to clean it up, but you may hear some slight buzzing or humming towards the end of the podcast. Thanks again for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me is 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, who's changed it up a bit. I love the, I love the hair down like that, Susk, with the hat. It's a solid look. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll do it more often. Yeah. <laughs> just for yeah. you, Mike. It's just a cha- little, little bit of a change of pace right there. I need a haircut hardcore badly, and that's why I'm, I'm wearing a hat. It, it's gotten to this point, Ross, where, you know, after about a month or so, I start recognizing, oh, it's time for a hat. And then I start just wearing a hat consistently. A the next thing I know. Try like a year. Okay. I've been wearing a hat a lot. I, 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 I take off my hat every once in a while. Introduce um, Ross. 
Okay, I'll introduce Ross. Um, Ross knows what he's gotten into. Uh, guys, this show is not about hats and it's not about hairstyles. Uh, it's about goalkeeping. And our and our guest today, our guest panelist today, this guy's fantastic. He's the first team goalkeeper coach at Queen of the South in Scotland and also academy goalkeeper coach at Hearts of Midlothian, which is a huge mouthful, Ross, to say. He also runs Safe Hands Goalkeeping Academy. Ross Ballantyne, what's up, man? Hi, Michael. Hi, Sasia. Thanks very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Well, no, no, I mean, the pleasure is all ours, honestly, man. I mean, I think, you know, I think that's one of the, the really cool things about this is that, you know, um, there's so many brilliant goalkeeper coaches and, and brilliant goalkeepers around the world in different countries. And one of the things that we really strive for, and, and Saskia knows this as well, and she, I'm sure she can add on to it, is that we're trying to make sure that that people don't get lost just because Americans a lot of times are, are very focused on, you know, either Americans. Americans. Let's be honest. And uh, and we're, we're trying to be a little bit more diverse than that um, and, and showcase different people out there. And obviously legends like Eric Steele, but but people like yourself right here and, and Ross, for, for people out there who might not kind of be familiar um, with kind of the game in Scotland, Safe Hands Goalkeeping Academy, uh, kind of how you became a, a pro coach there, because it's, it's a little bit different um, than most people who either were pro players, you know, or, or very, you know, maybe internationals and then kind of got into the pro game. You actually started out in the amateur game and because of your coaching, you made it to the pro game. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. I, I, I always play, I played in goals up until I was 16, uh, gave up to go and uh, start working. I am a painter and decorator to trade and it, Left this game for probably close to eight years. Um, wow! I mean, my, hey, my Ross, gosh, man. Can we do, I'm going to do something. Can, number one, can we turn your volume up a little bit? It's hard to yeah. a little hard to hear you. Yeah, thank yeah. thank you, Saskia. And not is to that, mention that the, the the sexy the sexy accent. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just make sure I talk slow because I've got a, a tendency to talk really fast, so I'm trying to talk really slow. That's all right. I'm from New Jersey. You don't want me start talking fast. You'd be like, what? <laughs> but by the way, but but the, all the Safe Hands people are coming on here. Catherine Tullock says Bross is a brilliant coach. My son goes to his Safe Hands goalkeeper training, um, and I think actually that's a really cool thing about the thing is is that not only do you actually have your professional jobs as well. Um, but you've got your own goalkeeping academy. And I think that's something that a lot of people lose track of when they get involved in the pro game is that grassroots level. And, and you've, this is one of the reasons I think why, why you decided, you know, you want to create an ebook. All goalkeepers are all professionals, you know, regardless of your position, starts at, starts at grassroots. You know, so for me, they're the foundation. You, you know, you need to get the information into them early, have fun. I use a, an anagram called DREF. My sessions, which is relevant, engaging, fun, and I think that's really important with young young kids as they develop. You know, it's it's funny it's funny that you said that because Saskia actually when we had um who was it Schwan Jalal from uh from uh, Rockdale AFC uh, in England and he talked about what was the thing that he talked about about how just the the free play at the beginning that he has a lot of times with his academy goalkeepers Sask. Sorry, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm trying to get rid of the the sirens in the background. It sounds like we're at a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, good. 
repeat the question, please, Mike. I was just saying that like, uh, you know, Ross was talking about the, the, you know, keeping, he had that, the whole anagram in regards to the fun element. And, and the thing is that we, when we talked with Shwan Jalal and that you experienced it first, when you started getting into club is recognizing how much just play and how much just, I don't want to say just social, uh, social, social play you, you want at the begin at the beginning with the, especially with the younger ones, just so that they're, they're excited and they're passionate and they want to get involved in the actual education. But it, it kind of, it starts your, it starts your session off. Well, like even at UCLA, like we do drills that are like fun, competitive, like crazy drills um, sometimes just to get their mentality into this positive state and into this competitive state, but it's fun. Like, you know, it's and and we all have to remember this is a game <laughs> like, and you know, I, as serious as it is, I know it's everybody, it's people's jobs and there are millions of dollars to make and everything like that, but it's still a sport and still a game and you have to maintain your, your love for it, your passion for it and your fun for it. And um, especially with the youngers, you know, we can, we can be regimented and serious and stuff like that, but they're kids, they're kids. Mm -hmm. They want to come out. The reason they started playing football in the first place was because they want to have fun. And um, as long as we can like, integrate that into our, our sessions and it doesn't have to be every day, but once a week or whatever, like remind them, remind them. And then, you know, when things go wrong, they're a little not so heavy and hard on themselves. Yeah. And, and, and Ross, feel free to jump in at, at any time, by the way, otherwise both of us yeah. will just con- continue talking. Um, but, <laughs> no, but I think even the fun, at, the fun, the fun aspect, uh, you know, in regards to even just coaching. I mean, I think that's probably one of the reasons that you decided to get back into the game, much like Saskia, you know, took a little bit of time away from the game and then came kind of came back to the game is for the fun element. Oh. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you've got the fun in the, the other bit for me, seeing, seeing kids and goalkeepers and goalie, goalkeepers that you work with develop and going to well, you know, I think that was a big thing uh, for me was, you know, I like, I love doing it. And it was kind of give something back, and there's nothing better than seeing a smile on the kid's face, or or a senior yeah. pro who's an international get a smile on their face. You know, <laughs> it still means the same. If a seven-year-old, uh, you know, I worked with Alexander at Livingston, and he was 39. I watched him in the stands, and used and, you know used to get him smiling, and it did well. So no, they, they all they all uh, that's the main thing is like I say, getting a smile and feeling good, and you know, seeing and enjoying it. Enjoyment's a big thing. I love even, I love showing up in like, um, with the few privates I do sporadically here and there still, <laughs> um, thanks COVID. Um, like showing up and having like one of my kids with the biggest smile on their face and just be like, oh my God, coach, you should have seen this and the save and the, everything I make. And it's not about whether they won or lost the game, which is funny. I have no idea. Caden, I saw Caden and Kate, I have no idea if he won or lost the game, but all he wanted to talk about was this top hand save he made and the movement and everything. And he was just so excited. You would have thought it was like a world cup final save. And, but that, that love and that passion and that fun and that smile makes it all worth it. Like it, it really does. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, you know, in regards to that, that passion, that fun that you were just talking about, even with the 39 year old and stuff like that, I think that's something that has to come into play. If you decide that you want to 
put stuff on paper and share it with the world. Because if you don't have that kind of passion for it, Ross, it's going to it's gonna come across on the, on the presentation that you do or the, or the book you do. So I kind of want to kind of move into this topic here because I thought it was a really fascinating one that you brought up when you said, hey, I, I recently did a, an ebook and I would love to come on and talk to people about how that process because there's a lot of people that come up to me and say, oh, I want to put my sessions down, but I, I don't know where to start. So first off, Ross, can you kind of explain the difference between writing an ebook and doing like a webinar? Yeah, I think the big thing for me was um, when you watch webinars and they're great, is the coaches, um, the presenters going and telling you what they're doing, you're seeing the footage, and then it's done, it's at their pace. So if I'm doing a webinar, I'm doing it at my pace, not, not the attendees' pace. With an ebook, it shows you've got ownership of it, you've got a reference to it, you can go back and see what you need to see when, when you feel that you need to. So it may be you want an idea on a said topic and you can go back and see that rather than fucking through videos to trying to find that. I love that because like, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, like in regards to like Suski and myself and, and Suski, you can add in on, on this is like, you know, sometimes I can't sit and watch a two hour webinar, you know, but if I have a, if I have a digital book on a PDF or something like that at my own pace, I can kind of look and see, I either go back to it. Um, I can kind of, you know, read it throughout the day, that, that sort of thing. And I know Suskia for yourself, you know, coming back into the game, that was something that was really important to you was that it, you were able to find information that, that you could fit into your day. Yeah. I mean, listen, we all have schedules and everything like that. And as much as I'd love to sit in on a, a two hour webinar, I think that was kind of facetious. Um, but I, um, I, I, I like that the option of the access at my own pace. And, um, if I have to stop, start and, and everything like that, um, uh, I think your father, Mike, I think your father said it best, even his classes in school world, <laughs> he, if he went over 120 minutes, he was just like, I lost everybody. So, so like, you know, I think, I think it's, um, a brilliant, uh, forum in a sense, because it, it does give me my time, whether I'm on, you know, the bike, you know, listening to it or whatever, it's, it's, it gives me that, that opportunity to do it in my time, fit in my schedule and really focus when I'm ready to focus. And, and, and I, and I think, you know, one of the things about that, you know, Ross, is that when you decide, okay, and I, and I, and I want you to pre start presenting some stuff from the book so everyone can kind of see, actually, why don't you just do that right now? Why don't you just share a, uh, Share, share a little bit of the, uh, of the book on file so everyone can kind of see what we're talking about. We can kind of walk through kind of the steps that you kind of took to, to write the book. We can see here, this is what, what, my goalkeeper, what the goalkeeping principles are. There's five of them in the book. The, the, the sessions are done through principle one and principle two, but principles three and four coincide with them. So principle one is just like it's, it's fundamentals. So for me, my fundamentals is handling, shape, diamond shape, movement, and distribution. And then principle two is the goalkeeping principles, which is defending the goal, defending the box, defending space, building up for And then you look at your physical principles in three, you know, the stuff that we would do to make the saves. Uh, principles four is the quality of the goalkeeper. So you see through the book, some of them won't be in, but you see like seven and eight, you know, winner when we play the games. Decision making for me is massive. 
recovery done a lot of them and for every practice that's in it or every practice that you should do I think effort's the minimum requirement for any goalkeeper regardless of the age and then principle five is just more or less the game you know position in relation to possession and then how do we dictate play I think there's a really cool thing. First off, I love the fact that you, you color coordinated these these principles for you. And I think this is a really easy way, Suskia. I don't know if, if you could see it on your screen as well, too. But just how you, you break it down very easily and then you just bullet point what you mean by those specific things. So before you even open the book, you kind of know, oh, okay, if this is the area that I want to focus on, I just go to this color-coded area of blue for physical principles. And I know what I'm looking for in blue, because honestly, I, I don't know about you, Suskia before, but I, back in the day, I used to get old goalkeeping books and it's all over the place. And I, I don't know, you know, I'm like, I'm like, well, there's this drill here and I want to look at this drill here, you know, but, but I don't, I don't remember where it was page 79, page 148, you know? Yeah, no, it's like, it's like YouTube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, exactly. I think it's brilliant because you know, you want it to be a, as um, user-friendly as possible, period. And because um, you're not sure who your audience is. You're not sure, you know, if, you know, a 12 year old or is picking up this and, and wanting to look through it and, or, or a coach and stuff. So I love, I love how it's color code. I love how it's put right out there. You know, it's, it's, I can find whatever I need immediately. And, and, and I think, I think, you know, one of the things that Suski, you brought up a really good point, whether you're an eight year old or whether you're a 48 year old coach and Ross, is that something that kind there of, there are older when, coaches than that, just saying. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just but, saying. And, and, and or if you're a 98 year old coach, <laughs> so, um, is that, is that you, you can, is that something that kind of like you were kind of, you know, um, weary of before you started writing? And is that something that you kind of recommend to people before they start writing is going like, okay, who am I writing this for? And if I want it to be universal, you know, how am I going to make it beneficial to everybody? Cause that's, that's a big issue with a lot of content in general is a lot of times it's like, oh, this is great content. If you're a professional coach, you know, but if you're a 12 year old goalkeeper or a parent you're going to be completely lost because because it's it's just they've gone way too far ahead for me everything in goalkeeping regardless if it's on the pitch or something like this simplicity is a key yeah you know i think there's so much overcomplication and everything you do in life you know so you know if you keep things simple then you'll get results and i think that's what when i was planning this like you were saying saskia it's for an eight-year-old kid it's for um a senior coach, you know, it's, it's an open market. It wasn't just, this has to be at a set um, age or a set clientele. It's just for anybody that loves goalkeeping. Yeah, and I think that what's good about it, that that approach and everything is, you know, you can get lost. I think, you know, Mike and I, we talk about this with Omar on other podcasts is you can get lost in trying to prove yourself to other elite goalkeeper coaches and thinking that, you know, I, I have to, my terminology has to be this way, or this has to be this way. And it's gotta be complicated for them to like judge me and know that I know what I'm doing when in, at the end of the day, like simplicity is its best. And we have to remember, like, even if it comes down to terminology, you know, if a parent is picking this up, they don't know, like, I mean, probably in 
in your country they do, but here <laughs> in America, you know, they, they, they have no idea. And so they don't understand the term, terminology, definitions and stuff. So simple is best, you know, stop complicating things. It's not that complicated. Um, and you're, you know, obviously you don't need to prove yourself to anybody. You know, um, none of us do just, you know, keep it simple, keep it that, that, like I said, an eight-year-old could look through it or, or a 50-year-old could look through it, Michael, will go up from 48. Um, you know, and I think that, but I think that that's where success lies, is that you want the, ma the, the masses, in a sense, to understand this, not just the elite. Yeah. Yes. So, so let's uh, let, 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 let's take the next slide right here, and I, I kind of want to see kind of an example of how you, how you break down these 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 uh, these groupings right here. So this is an activation. This is the activation phase, and you see this in the, in the video. I'll show you this the actual game here, and each slide is from the exact same. So you put the graphic on it uh, from quick tax I use, and this one here, you know, you've got your your. Uh, Fundamentals, which is your movement, it's a movement one. Your physical one, it's agility, mobility, speed. And then the quality one is your, your, your you know, you want to be a winner in this game. And then you've got decision making in it. Oh my so gosh, I absolutely, of, I, yeah, I love this, man, because like the thing is, is that, and I, you know, and I didn't even recognize this, you know, as I was glancing through the book and everything like that, is but the color, the color coding shows in the activities what aspects of the phases are involved in these sessions, which I think, I mean, honestly, like a parent can pick this up and go, Oh, not only can I, you know, let's say you're working with a rec team and you don't know much about goalkeeping. You can look at this and go, at least you can give these bullet points to maybe a young, goal, young goalkeepers that know what this means. And you know why they're doing this session. Yeah. But I even think <clears throat> to add to that, I even think if we take young or inexperienced uh, club coaches who, um, you know, a lot of clubs out there don't have maybe a director of goalkeeping or goalkeeper coaches or whatever, you know, instead of making your kids go, you know, hit volleys to each other in the corner, like can actually take this and design, like take, take a training session, but understand every aspect of what you're looking for and what you need in that session. Like, you know, we've talked about this so many times that so many, um, like inexperienced coaches out there will just, you know, put together a session and they really don't know how to train a goalkeeper. They really don't know what, what the point of the session is or anything. They'll just pull it off of YouTube and they'll just mimic it. But this actually breaks it down. And that's, what's incredible about it. So that will be on a digital one. So if you like, I'm not caught because I've got videos for that. I'm going you to a live video of that practice. Okay. So you're seeing all the stuff that you're seeing on the, on the, on the ebook. But if you click it, then you're seeing a live 30 second, 40 second short video of it in action. In that way that you're actually, you're seeing it live, but you've also got the why behind it. And then you're seeing how it goes within live footage. No, that's it. That's, that's brilliant. That's, that's awesome. So are we, are we going to, are you going to click here? So, cause I would love to I'm see. Click it. <laughs> yeah. no, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, show, I'll, I'll go through the next couple of slides and then I'll show you because I actually made okay. a video for it. So, so it's gotcha. easier to, uh, so it's good news. Yeah, for sure. So then, organize the everything. Yeah. Uh, and then, so now, now we're on the fundamental phase. So, okay. again, a wee bit more information, you know, to set up what was required, the objective behind it. And then you've got different serves that you can do. 
So server one, it's got three, four servers he can do, or she can do. Server two, the same. But if you look at the red here, if you look at that, it's all red because it's fundamental. There is, there is obviously speed and physical stuff, but then the movement covers that, rather than just having it, you know, lots of different bubbles. No, I, 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 I see that. And, you know, and I think the, the great thing, too, in regards to this is I think I love the fact that you included recommended reps right there. Um, my only concern with that is that, you know, because we talk about, you know, pivoting sessions based on the ability level of the goalkeepers. Is that something that's it's a recommended number of reps? Because my concern is people will look at that and go, well, it only can be four reps or it can't yeah. be eight reps or whatever. So, so at the start of the book, it's, it more or less says, this is what I would this is what I would look at. You know, four reps or for that for this exercise here, they're touching the ball eight times. And it's continuous. So they would do a full set and back in. Again, if you're looking at this kind of practice, you want quality rather than quantity for me. Uh, it's a fundamental practice, so we're not even looking at condition. So it's about getting their eye and hand coordination working, their feet working, get a positioning, get touches to the ball. So, you know what, for me, I would keep it four. But that's not to say that you would maybe want to do six or eight. You would know what people that are using it would know that goalkeeper's better. It's at the same point, you maybe be working with a kid and you might only look for one or two reps and then go back and do it, do another set. You know, so yeah, like, I mean, you're working with. Yeah, I, we've always talked about that, like keeping your reps, like I'm quality over quantity as well. You know, um, I'm a, you know, definitely let my kids know, or my kids, my grown up, whatever, know um, how many they're going to do and to focus. You know, it's not that open ended, okay, let's get in this drill and go for you young coaches out there or any coaches out there. You know, if you can get your, your player to focus, okay, I'm going to focus hard for six reps or focus hard for four reps. Um, you know, it's about, it is about that quality when it comes to this type of training. Um, you know, you'll lose a kid when you just, they're just going forever in a sense. Um, you know, and you know, you know, fitness is a different topic and you know, that's totally different, but you, you've got to, you've got to decide whether your session is a fitness based session or if it's, if it's fundamentals and technical and what you're trying to get out of it. You know, because like Omar always says, like you worry about those parents wanting their kid to like, you know, not be able to breathe when they get in the car, you know, what did they get out of it then? You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, you got to be specific. Yeah, no, 100%. Task it. I think as well, in this, in this sort of this year, you know, the fundamental phase, you may do two or three drills, you know, within that, the next phase. It should be a more, your, your, I call it the principal phase, which is in your game-related phases, you know, which then turns into more live practices. But, you know, you get kids, I've had, I've had parents come to me and say, why don't, why have God, that didn't look that hard? Well, that's the information they got. You know, yeah. it's, it's too different. And I use different kinds of um, coaching. You're either a goalkeeper trainer or a goalkeeper coach. And yep. if they want a goalkeeper trainer, then I'm, you know, I wouldn't be, I could do that. But for me, it's all about the coaching. It's about giving them the information. Again, it's regardless of age there. 
and I, th- I think that, you know, that's something that I want a lot of young goalkeeper coaches out there to hear in regards to that. Um, and, uh, and, and by the way, just Ross, just by the way, in, in case it's taking us a second or so, um, your Wi-Fi is a little bit delayed and breaking up a little bit. So that, that might be one of the reasons why, why we're holding and stuff like that. So no, no I don't problem. know if you have another Wi-Fi that, uh, that you can connect with. Um, but uh, if no, going on what you're saying, Mike, is, you know, I get that. Like you get that when you're coaching kids, like you have to retrain their mentality that they think go, 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 go. When like, I'll even have to say to my UCLA players, I'm like, guys, did I say this was fitness? Like I didn't, you know, you're not, you're not focusing on, you know, the objectives. You're not focusing. You're thinking I got to get through this drill as fast, as hard, as intense as I can. Yes. I want you to be intense. Yes. I want you to work hard, but I want you to focus on each, each part of the training and slow it down and, and, you know, you'll know when it's fitness, you'll know when I'm telling you go, 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 but that's, I didn't say that, you know, and you have to kind of retrain. And I don't know if it's as much with, you know, over there with you guys, but here Americans are just like, you know, I'm doing well if I am, you know, working harder than anybody, faster than anybody and everything like that. When you're letting your technical side of things slip, and, you know, I'm training your technical side of things. So you're not proving anything to me by, by not getting the technical side and just working really hard. I was going to say, Ross, I mean, I think, you know, one of the, one of the issues that I always bring up with, with, with parents when, when they have that kind of that discussion or whatever, is I say, well, you have to look at the movements that the goalkeeper is making in the game and what the load is in the game. And you have to manage the load of your training based on what is expected of them in the game. So if you're training them with a with more load than they get in the game, then they're not actually going to be training for the game. They're training for the drills. Yep. And I think, you know, like I'll go to what I do in the, my professional week. I'm sure these are working day. So we'll be hitting RPs of seven and eights, high impact, lots of saves. And then on the first day, we'll go into a match play against who we're looking to play against. And it'll be will be about a six, seven, more relaxed. And then on the Friday, it's you know it's, it's like the game four or five because that's all they're going to hit in a game. And our piece in a game is four or five, six if you're under a lot a lot of pressure. But it's really low. I mean, I, I think that that's a that's a great point right there. Now, did you want to show the the video from the from the click here phase yet? Yep. So now this is this is a principle. So I game related. So this one here, and you'll you'll see in the video. It's dealing with sort of cutbacks, say, very similar to uh, Mark Magnuson's practices that he does off the cone, uh, which he does to gain pace. So, but if you look at that one here, if you look at the bubbles again, positioning, movement, decision making, and then I've got speed. And then if you look at the principles, defend the goal, and then it's reactions. So, that's why I'm looking within that practice what they're going to get obviously there's other stuff in it but that's in the key aspects within that i love the fact that you included you included speed in there in regards to cutbacks because i think that's so 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 important um saskia we've talked about this in regards to in regards to cutbacks that you know if you're if you're not if you're not already ahead of the play in the cut in the cutback then you're too late because yeah. uh you can't react in time 
Yeah, I mean, with your drop step and your cutback, your head has to lead anything. So your eyes have to find where the ball's going. There's a dead period, you know, if it's stagnant, it's fine. But if, if, if you're facing, like in this image, if you're facing the far corner and it's a turn and a cutback, is, is your head going first, finding that shooter, finding that ball, and then your body going with it? Because then, you know, you have to assess the situation. And if you're, if you're all going at the same time, if the whole body head's going at the same time together, then in my opinion, you're already behind. Like, cause you have to make the decision when to get set, when you're moving, like you might not, like we always say, like it's better to be set and out of position than it is to be moving. So, you know, the only way to do that is for your eyes and your head to assess the situation and your body follows. It's not like all together. You know, I totally agree with that, Saskia, I think. You, you had it, the air the nail on the head there. You know, you need to be balanced at all times rather than still moving. And, you know, I'm, uh, the most know that is play the ball, not the drill. Yeah. You know, so the game, you know, even though this, they know where the ball's going, they need to can't, they can't uh, anticipate it that much because what I tend to do is if, if I feel that they can move rather than set, anticipating, I'll just put the ball on the other side. Oh, absolutely. Because that's what the game that's what the game would do, you know, so it's important that they play the ball and not the ball. Absolutely. And I love that my keeper my keepers at you just this just yesterday we were doing a, a, like similar with near post and um cutting off the through ball and everything and one of my keepers punished the other keeper because they were cheating and just buried it near post because you know the whole thing they knew that the ball is getting slotted. We were working on your your range um off that near post towards the top of the six. But you cheat, you're going to get punished. So she just put it in your post. And I say, good. I go, absolutely. You know, the most important thing right now is the ball. Number one, not the drill. Number two is the ball and the goal. You know, and we're training that reality, not just because you know what the drill is going to entail. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Ross, something I also want to bring up here before, before we move on to the thing is that I think a lot of people need to understand that speed isn't necessarily just a physical element. Speed is also speed of thought. So, um, your body moves because your mind is moving at that speed. So you need to have that mind body connection where you you're both in sync and you're both moving at the same, same speed. Um, you know, you can't get in a situation where you're ahead of the play mentally, but you're not moving there physically or that you're moving physically, but you're not there mentally. You know, it's mm-hmm. gotta be one, it's gotta be both at the same time. No, a hundred percent, Michael, you know, um, the, eye, the eyes is the biggest feature, isn't it? You know, the eyes and the head move and the rest goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you have to remember, I think coaches out there and stuff like that, you have to remember goalkeeping training can kind of be kind of, it's repetitive and regimented in some sense. And, you know, when you're a field player and you're doing a rondo, it's more free flowing and you're not sure. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of like in the, in the groove of the ball and what's going on. And you're the players where goalkeepers, we will set things up like, okay, we're doing this. The ball's moving over here and you're making a near post save or something like that. And it's very easy for your players to get caught up in a drill and not actually playing the, the, the game. And so you have to constantly remind them, you know, like punishing them by shooting it the other direction. But those are little ways to tweak that and little ways that, you know, to remind them that yes, we're doing a repetitive movement or a repetitive situation and training something specific, but you still have to keep in mind the sport itself and the game itself and anything can happen. Yeah. 
So, so uh, Ross, let's let's do this now. Um, if you can now show us kind of how, because you've shown us concept in regards to the different the different phases, right? We would love to see it now be put in, in, into play in, in the actual session, um, because I think that's and I love the fact that you have that click here uh, aspect because that's another thing too is you'll get a book and you'll get a bunch of drills in a book, and then you really don't know what it's supposed to look like exactly. unless you've actually seen it on film. Okay, I'll just play it. So it's about just about. I'll, I'll just let it go for five minutes. If you, well, um, and then yeah. Also, because a lot of people are visual, I'm visual. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want me to pause it? Uh, yeah. Why don't you pause it just to, and kind of because the thing is, is that there are people who are listening to the audio, and so kind of explain yeah. and paint paint the picture to them. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll put the audio off. I'll put the audio off, and I'll start again. Then. Yeah, let's just do that. Put the audio off. Yeah kind of break down what's going on right now because it looks like in the activation phase you're just having them just play a simple fun little game where they're they're bouncing the ball off they're all holding uh, balls in their hands and they're just bouncing the ball around kind of in a in a in a, a um a juggling contest almost sort of aspect yeah we've a we've got a fun Scott, we, you know we've got decision making try to be one eye and hand coordination just i'll just pause this for now just See, but see, like, you know, some people watching, like, drills like this, this is actually, in my opinion, is training your eyes and your head to go first. You know, like, you have to see where that toss goes and move over, and your body will follow. And it's those little things that, like, people don't realize, oh, you know, like a novice or somebody that's not really educated will be like, oh, they're just tossing the ball into space and shuffling back and forth. But actually, no, your eyes, your head have to go to see where that ball's been tossed first. And that, like, eventually will become second nature in a bigger situation yeah and, and for those of you guys who are listening right now it's just it's just simple lateral no. movement with a toss back and back and back and forth at an angle and i think the problem is ross a lot of times with uh with younger goalkeeper coaches no, I, I is, that there, yeah. oh you did oh, okay my bad yeah yeah you can pause it whenever i, I think uh yeah. i think people people got it but i think the, the thing is is that just in regards to some, a simple activity like this before we see the next slide here is that a young goalkeeper coach they will they will share this with their young goalkeepers and say, Hey, go and do this for warm up or whatever. But they don't explain the why, a why they're doing it. So these kids, they're just going through the motions. And then like when they're on the field, because let's, let's be honest with you at the youth level, at least here in the United States, you, you can't go to every youth match. So a lot of times they're left to their own devices to, to warm up prior to a match. And they go, Oh, coach gave me a few of these warm up acti activities before I'll just do these, but they don't know why they're doing them. So they're not really preparing for the game because they don't they don't they don't actually know the movements that they're doing. Like that that practice thing you see between the them, you know, throwing the ball back and forward, you know, that, that that's a hard exercise in the way that, you know, it's a bummer. You know, they'll feel that they feel that in your quads and your quads. Yeah. But again, it's short, sharp movements, you're not moving too far. You're only moving your wingspan or your bubble. And it's just keeping your eye on the ball and it's control as well. It's need to know their next move. Again, if you if you look at it in a game situation, is after they play the ball, can they go and support? So they're moving to the next one. So again, so it's, this would be I would do this if I was going to do a lot of passing or uh, not play. Just is a uh, first phase, you know, first practice of the day after we did our warm up and then a, a progression of it. So they're coming through, and then it's just a step and a dive. So again, getting on the hit the ground before they go into real high impact stuff. No, uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I think there's, there's, there's some really, some really good things here in regards to, 
these fundamental aspects. Um, and again, apologize if we're, we're having we're having issues and being a little bit of a, of a delay. We're just, we're just having a little bit of a Wi-Fi delay here. Um, but uh, but to kind of paint paint the picture for, for the audience, you know, who's listening is that the progression has gone from just the simple movements with the hands, the shuffling to then the feet and then the full on activation of the full body. And, and Saskia, I know this is something that, that you stress all the time is that you need to activate the full body. You can't just activate one little area and then just go straight into, in, in, into drills. You know, it's gotta be, a, it's gotta be a full activation. Yes. You have to activate the full body. Um, yeah. um, a lot of times for you coaches out there that are with clubs and stuff like that, maybe you're not given that much time with your goalkeepers. Um, I saw something today that made me so irritated. It wasn't even funny. I was watching an ID camp uh, virtually and I was sitting there watching uh, the goalkeepers off in a corner, two of them with no coach, just volleying the ball back and forth and then yeah. jumping into technical shooting against the field players that were getting warmed up. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I was just like, I, I was sitting there just like, what are you expecting out of your goalkeepers? You've got two kids over there that are sophomores in high school, probably just, just volleying the ball back and forth. And now you're asking them to, to, you know, lay out and save near post shots and upper 90 shots and stuff. Um, and it, you know, stuff like that, like coaches out there and players, you, you have to activate the full body. It's gotta be a build, whether it starts from footwork and goes into handling and then goes into hitting the ground and, and then like kind of transition it into whatever the team's um, thought, the team's uh, breakdown is for that day. Like I'm not going to do crosses with my goalkeepers and then the team's doing one V ones. You know what I mean? Like I'll get in the work I need to get in with them to focus on what they need technically, but I also have to get them ready for the buildup and for whatever they're going to see. Yeah. I was not happy with what I saw today in that, in that camp. Um, <laughs> it, I, I was because I felt like we've taken like that, you know, this is an elite ID camp and I'm taking 10 spe steps backwards and going like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm sorry. Not... I can say that people can be mad. <laughs> I don't have to be invited back. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you'll improve. Maybe be like, shit Saskia thought it was crap I did like if I'm not if I'm not blunt about it and I'm just like and if the people out there know who I'm talking about and what camp I'm talking about maybe they'll be like damn you know we didn't we did our goalkeepers a disservice because you know I'm watching I'm seeing them off in the corner kind of casually you know these are kids they don't you didn't structure something for them here volley the ball back and forth it was pathetic it was it was horrible and then then what you're asking them to do you're, you're focused on the field players to get a solid warm up, whether you're doing rondos or whether you're doing this, that, and the other, making sure they get touches. If, if the warm up calls for, if the gate, if the training calls for long balls, you're making sure they hit long balls, but your goalkeepers are two goalkeepers are over there just kicking balls back and forth in the corner. And now you come in and now you're doing wall passes and shooting and you're asking them to fly to the upper 90 or come out on a through ball. And they, they haven't even activated their body yet. Their body hasn't even touched the ground once. And this is what you're asking them to do. Number one, you're going to get somebody hurt. And number two, you're not showcasing the best that your goalkeepers can be. So I put that on coaches and stuff. I thought it was, I thought it was ridiculous. I think in that situation, if you've only got 20 minutes or 25 minutes, whatever it may be, is uh, have, have a wee bit of fun to think out the box in your session design. You know, 
you know, how can, if you're going to do volleys, for instance, to start with, how can you do a volley and an activation to hit the ground? Absolutely. You know, use, 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 use your time wisely. Absolutely. Detail. Figure that out. You can get it in in, tw- in 20 minutes. You can get, you can activate that goalkeeper and get their body their, Your body has to warm up to hitting the ground. Your body has to warm up for going out for a three ball. You can figure it out and you can get it done. I was just really shocked today um, considering the level and who put that on. Like, I was just like, wow. Well, 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 on, well let's we can be better than this. Speaking of better than this, though, I think that this is this is no, this is a really important thing, because in regards to like Ross, like putting together your book and everything like that, like these people put together a camp, they, they put together this this clinic or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. their name is on the line, their name is on the line. So you got to make sure, Ross, like you said, you, you spent a lot of time putting this book together, because you know, you know, and, and no, no disrespect to you or anything like that. But it's not like you have a, a big, you know, playing name that you can kind of go back on and go like, well, you know, so-and-so wrote this book. We'll give them a little bit of slack. You know, you have to really know your stuff in order for people to take, take, take notice. I think when you do anything like this, you know, like if it's a book, if it's a podcast, if, if you're going in the open forum, you're putting yourself under pressure. You need to be fixed in. Some people will love it and you might get a percentage that won't like it. You know, you just need to be fixed in and, I think the biggest thing is believing what you're doing. You know, if you didn't believe that it was good enough, then you wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. I just have to, sorry. There are a bunch of sirens and stuff going on. Um, I just, you know, I have to keep harking on this because like I would be happy if somebody took your book and put something (laughs) together, you know, and, and anybody that tells me that they couldn't, you know, Oh, well, we didn't have a goalkeeper coach on staff or something like that, but you're a coach. So figure it out. If you're here putting together an ID camp and you're highlighting all the players, then then figure that out. Put something together. Go go do. Look at your book. It's all <laughs> liter- put out there for you. I, I was literally going to say that. I was literally yeah, going like, to say that. Do Just, your job. Like do yeah. your job. Do your due diligence. Do your research. And and put it together and say okay. Maybe I'm not a goalkeeper coach, but I'm highlighting goalkeepers as well as field players in this virtual camp. So I'm going to make sure they are highlighted as well. And I'm going to go and redo my research and look at your book and, you know, figure it out and put something together. And the inability of people to take that extra step and do that, it upsets me. It upsets me. So. But but I think one of those things, Ross, is is that in regards to Suskia, what you're talking about right there is that there's a lack of communication here. There was a clearly a lack of communication from from one end to the other end on on what was what were the demands for the goalkeeper, what was expected of the goalkeepers, how are they going to present them in the best light, and well, if you're putting. Yeah. What was basically obvious to me was that they didn't like this, whether it, the camp was just to highlight field players or whatever. Like it was obvious that it was as goalkeepers as historically were a second thought and which just makes me not want to look at anything else your club says your your academy sends to me again like don't don't ask me to be a part of this if, if your goalkeepers are obviously a second thought to me and so you know because that means for me you're asking me to look at your academy training but this is what you're presenting to me what are they doing at practice when i'm not watching you know yeah. off hitting volleys to each other and then the same thing so I was like highly disappointed in that and especially at the level of the academy and uh, and again I'll go back to your your ebook that information's out there get it done 
Yeah. And, 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 and Ross, I think, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> I think, but, I, but I think it's, a, I think it's important for people to, to hear that kind of stuff because Ross, I know that one thing that you did before you even wrote the book and everything like that is you asked people, what do they want? What do they need to see? If somebody had Saskia, if somebody had simply just come up to you and been like, Hey, you know, what, what do you want? What do you need to see? Um, you might've been able to give them a little bit of input so that you got the right content to be able to get a good look up at these people, you know? No, know absolutely. Where... Sorry. I'm shaking my head. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure <laughs> uh, where that's, I don't know what... that sounds coming from. Yeah. That's a weird sound. I'm like, it's yeah. Yeah. Is that on <laughs> your getting, end? Ross? I'm getting you hear like that? hacked you hear that? by the, the Academy. I can't, I, can't, I can't hear it. You can't hear it. Cause it's I can weird. hear it too. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, no. And uh, like I said, I think that, like you said, I think my focus here is that the information and, and to have you put something so, so good together and so um, organized and for the novice up to the elite coach together, like the information's out there. It's so well done. It's so well handled that I don't accept anything as an excuse not to highlight your goalkeepers well in a situation um, that you're putting out there. So, yeah. But the thing um, is, Saskia, there's so many different content you go and see to put something on. Yeah simple you know especially now in the world we live in it you can pick anything up google's your friend you know <laughs> you want to find stuff if you don't yeah. know yeah yeah i was just i was because now like i said what you have one chance to make that first impression and your impre your impression with me just sucked so and you only did your goalkeepers a disservice Speaking of that, Ross, did you did you go out there and did you look and see? And is this something that you recommend to a lot of people? Is go out there and see what else is out there before you you started writing your book to make sure that you weren't just presenting the same information. Um, I, I love any like education. You know, uh, all, any new book that comes on the market, I will always sort of buy it. So you know, in my office, um, it's just full of different goalkeeping books from, you know people from the States or all over. But the best book for me was uh, Simon Smith, which is probably about 13, 14 years old, maybe, maybe more. Um, and that was just so simple. So because it was so old, and the, but it can still get used, but what I mean is it was so old that it was out that long ago, I wanted to make something simple along those lines, rather than just, you know, there's a lot of books and it's a lot of writing. Very... Uh, very little diagrams, so I wanted to make the book colourful. Was one because I, I think a lot of books aren't colourful. Yeah. Uh, and two, make it you know make it with a, a good solid diagram, uh, and then as little writing as I possibly can. Yeah. No, I, 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 absolutely, and I think I, I think you did that in regards to in regards to the book. Now, question for you is how much time does it take to put something like this together? A year, six months, two years? How much time do you recommend? I first wrote this down. I started planning it. Must have been about 18 months ago. Uh, and then I started it probably about June, lockdown, uh, and just toying about with it. Finished it in October, then binned it in October, and then redone it again from October and November for the publish for it to be published in the middle of December. So it was probably it was ready to go in October. I wasn't happy with a lot of stuff, the graphics and the colouring, etc. 
set out and I just ripped it all to shreds. And when I look back, I probably took about 40 drills out and put 40 different practices in. So it's a total different book for the one that I ripped up in October as well. So no, a long, a long, a long time. I think the biggest thing was collating all the videos as well. You know, the videos are from live training sessions. So it was, you know, after I, I made the, uh, the book, was then cutting all the videos, and that that was a that was a bit hard. That took a lot of time cutting the videos and, and then putting it all in all together. So. A lot since maybe October till December, the six weeks was every night, every day, three, four hours. Man, that's uh, and I mean, people, people like yourself and Omar, you know, who put in all that type of type of time in editing. I mean, I, I just edit this little podcast and some little little clips every, every week, you know, and that literally takes me all week <laughs> just to do that. Like, I don't think Omar. Sli- I, don't I don't think the, Omar. I would never have the patience. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Omar doesn't sleep. I'm pretty sure Omar. Omar may be a maybe a robot. He because uh, I think I think he just lives on a computer if he's not at the training field. Um, he's now incorporated himself into a drone now too, uh, courtesy <laughs> of, of Saskia. She's helped him turn into a drone. Um, yeah. uh, well, 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 Ross, I, I appreciate you taking on honestly all all this time and everything like that, man, and uh, you know, and, sh- and sharing this videos and, and stuff like that. And I think you know the best thing that that might be you know uh, in the future and stuff like that is maybe we can. Um, Maybe we can share like a little highlight, uh, you know, on our social media or something like that of the book. So people get a, a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a good picture, you know, on the book. And um, if people out there want to reach out to you, maybe they're, they're trying to put a book together themselves. You know, where's the best place for them to connect uh, with you? Uh, probably my Instagram, which is at uh, hands with a V, GK. Uh, Twitter's just Ross B. 1981. They're probably the two best places to get me. Obviously, Facebook is just my name, Ross Valentine, and my my page is Safe Hands Goalkeeping. Yeah, and uh, and if you want to get uh, Saskia for a summer camp, uh... or if you want me to <laughs> listen, I will be blunt and put it out there. I expect more from certain things, and um, people can be upset as me as they want, but you know. The posi- you ju- people have to do better. That's it. Yeah. You have to do better. I, th- I think the biggest thing is start to get standards. Yeah, I mean, look, I granted, you know, first of all, I want to say, Ross, I've never been put in the same com- the same conversation in the middle beginning of this podcast as Gordon Banks in my life. So <laughs> that to me is an honor, and I'm taking away from that because um, that was amazing. But. Um, but it is a standard and you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And I was asked by somebody like what I thought about the virtual um, camp. And um, I was kind of blunt <laughs> and they were just like, all right, well, don't hold back. I'm not going to hold back. And, um, you know, we have the, you know, we have the number one team in the world and, um, and one of the best pro leagues in the world and everything. And, you know, if you want your kids, you should demand more of your coaches, um, period. And the money you're putting in to these academies and to clubs and stuff like that, you better demand more as parents of their, of your coaches and of your club. Sorry. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I, I think I remember the club and which now blows my mind even more. Cause now I just realized which club it was. And you Oh know, my God. You know, yes. That, that I'll, is I'll, absolutely. I'll share, I'll share you the link. 
that is unacceptable for a, a club of that caliber. You're mm-hmm. talking about the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, that's wow. why I'm in such shock. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And, 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 and unfortunately you're not the person, uh, based on the relationships you have, uh, to upset when it comes to something like that. So, um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Saskia, this is a topic though. Maybe we need to do a topic on how to run a virtual camp before, uh, bef- before the, before the summer. Yeah. Comes because- Get Ross's book. How yeah. about starting there? <laughs> like so what? How about starting there? <laughs> oh, my, oh my gosh! Well, uh, well, guys, remember you can uh, you can reach out to Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber on all social medias, um, and uh, contact at inside the eighteen media. That's the number eighteen mediacom or at Goalkeeper Podcast if you have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion. Uh, shout out to Ross for uh, for reaching out and uh, and wanting to share staying his ebook. Uh, that's awesome and staying up late. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, and honestly, appreciate the support. I know you've been a day one supporter, so uh, you know that means a lot to us when when pro coaches or you know are fans of what we're doing over here in the United States and and taking something from it. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that we've really tried to strive for is that to let everybody know is that you can learn from anyone in the world. Um, so if you're a, a coach in the Premier League, you know, you might be able to learn something from a, a, a rec coach in Iowa that, you know, that you never even thought of before, you know, and uh, and just always, you know, just to keep learning um, on that note, guys, uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18 and we are out later, guys. Yeah.